Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday from the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley taking this day off. She's made her way to Tennessee for the weekend, which is well-deserved. Carrie Davis is here, but Carrie's going to be thinking about a football game tonight throughout the course of the show. Yeah, we'll be. We uh, have a big game tonight. <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. Fair, fair yeah, enough. I'm here. You know, uh, yeah, physically, I'm physically. Mentally, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of all of the things I got to take care of before 7 p.m. Yeah, 7 o'clock at DeSmet, Hazelwood yes. Central, and the Spartans in a playoff matchup, an epic playoff matchup between the Mecca and yes. uh, and DeSmet. So that should be fun. Good luck tonight. Thank you, sir. Uh, Matthew Rocchio is here. And uh, we'll be here throughout the course of the day. we got a monster show coming up for you. We're going to talk to Jed Stugart, the head coach at Lindenwood, in just a few moments. Bradley Carnell getting ready for Game 2 against Sporting Kansas on Sunday afternoon in Kansas. And Bradley Carnell, St. Louis City SC's head coach, will join us coming up at 8 o'clock at 8.15. Blues Center, Robert Thomas. Blues and Devils tonight over at Enterprise Center. And then Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports talking Mizzou, Georgia. Tomorrow down in Georgia. Wow, that'll be something. Two and twelve in the country. I mean, for for Mizzou fans, you know, calm your nerves. This is the thing: when you are a fan fanatic, you have to understand it's going to take a a great game by Mizzou to win this game. Georgia is Georgia is favored for a reason. Georgia is favored by two touchdowns, fifteen and a half. Fifteen and a half. Yeah, that's a lot of points. Yeah, don't get frustrated. If Mizzou takes care of their business, does everything right, if Georgia turns the ball over a time or two, you have a chance to, to, to be in this game. You have to capitalize when those mistakes are made by Georgia, though. You can't go down and get field goals. you got to score touchdowns. And you can't turn the ball over. You cannot turn the ball over. And the Tigers have committed a lot of penalties this year. Do not do that either. No, you need to play really, really well. Then Joe Vitale will be with us at 915. Looking forward to that. Last night, Kerry won a bet. Steelers over the Titans, twenty to sixteen in the in the TOD Bowl. Could, uh, could, can uh, Matthew Rocchio please uh, explain the TOD Bowl? That's the opening drive. The, the, the opening, opening drive. drive. TOD, the, the opening TOD drive. Bowl. Therefore, yes. TOD Bowl. There we go. And so, Brooke is going to have to wear some black and gold in here yeah. at some point next at week. At some point. Yeah, yeah, probably Monday when she gets back. Yeah. Just have it sitting on a chair. That'll be good. Maybe, that, maybe, maybe that week right before Mizzou and Tennessee play. 
Nah. Just, to, just you know, I'm just, mean, throwing, I'm just throwing I'm out dates. No I'm just throwing out dates. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah. So, uh, er, er, early on in this one at Heinz Field, forevermore Heinz Field. Yeah, Akershire, Heinz Field. Najee Harris of Kyler's Film Room put the ball in the end zone. <laughs> Through the middle. Big hole to the end zone. Najee Harris with a touchdown. Al Michaels with the call there on Amazon Prime. Nick Folk hit a field goal later in the f- quarter. It was 7-3 after one quarter. Then in the second, back came the Titans as Derrick Henry scored from two yards out to make it 10-7 in favor of Tennessee. Chris Boswell with a field goal before the quarter was out to tie it at 10-10. And then very late on the last play of the first half, Nick Folk with a field goal. 13-10 Tennessee at halftime. Boswell with another one, tying it at 13 early in the third quarter. And then Folk with another field goal. 16-13 Tennessee as we headed to the fourth. And with 4.02 left, it was Kenny Pickett delivering the winning throw. Pickett to the end zone. Touchdown! And there it was, Deontay Johnson finally gets into the end zone. Will Levis finally. tried to, to finally. <laughs> First <laughs> touchdown since 2021. He he didn't his last touchdown he caught was by Ben Roethlisberger. Oh man, it, it's been a while <laughs> for him uh, getting in the end zone, and so finally scored a touchdown. Whew, much needed. Yeah, Will Levis with an interception very late, and 20 to 16 was the final. And the Steelers are five and three. How are the Steelers five and three? Good, good, good coaching, mm-hmm. and and. Damn good defense. They are going to get after the quarterback. They're going to make plays, uh, keeping forcing the quarterback in the pocket. And that was one of the things going into this game made me that made me confident about the Steelers having an opportunity to win. You're playing a rookie quarterback against that defense. This defense at home, night game, forget about it. Versus a versus a rookie quarterback in his second game ever. I just felt like they and Will Levis played really well. He mm-hmm. didn't throw yeah. that interception until late in the game. But I know that. When you're when you are the Pittsburgh defense and how they get after the quarterback, the coverages, the schemes, despite Minka Fitzpatrick not playing, they were going to make it rough on him, and they did. And the thing I will give Matt Canada credit, I will give that Steelers offense credit because the first drive of the game was probably the one Najee scored on was probably the best offensive drive I have seen from them all season long. He came down from the uh, – he was no longer in the press box this weekend. I mean, last yeah, night he was on field. the sideline on the field. And so um, – that was just really the best offensive drive that I've seen. And they, they had some drive stall, but they looked better. They ran the ball better. And hopefully they can figure this out and keep it going in the right direction. One of the things Mike Tomlin, Matthew, did you have a, something to add here? Mike Tomlin was asked about was the 10 penalties that his team committed. First and foremost, from a penalty perspective, part of being a tough team to beat first is not kicking your own butt, man. And, and we kind of been doing that some, and we got to own that. And so um, – we will. Um, we'll review it. We'll learn from it. We'll look at it. We'll, we'll bring some officials into our practice setting in an effort to, to be cleaner because uh, that was catastrophic, really, in a lot of instances to our efforts tonight. Yeah. And uh, th- they'll get better because he's a great coach. Kerry, after they lost to Houston 30-6 to to fall to 2-2, two and two, a lot of people were saying there's no way that Tomlin finishes over 500 this year because he's finished over 500 every year that he's been a coach in the NFL. Well, you look at where they are now, and here on November 2nd, uh, they beat Tennessee. 
Their next game is against Green Bay, and the Packers are eminently beatable. They should win that game. Then they go to Cleveland, and we know what Pittsburgh does against Cleveland, right? And Cleveland's got a great defense this year. At Cincinnati, that'll be a snootful. But then you get Arizona, win. You get New England, win. You get the Colts, win. Then you have Cincinnati again before you uh, have a a tough stretch, down the stretch. But there's four wins there by the end of November for this team. They they are uh, in a position to put themselves to have, you know, the same type of success that they've had. Now, if their offense can match the effort of that defense, if they can all come together in all three phases, they can still be a really good team. That's going to be a tough game against the Bengals at Cincinnati, the way that Cincinnati has been playing the last few weeks. Uh, then they got to go. T- then they play Cincinnati again later in the year. See, they finish the season with Cincinnati, Seattle, and Baltimore at Baltimore at Seattle. Those are going to be three tough games mm-hmm. to end your season. But if you're if you've won four or five or, or five of six at that point, you're putting yourself in a position where you're rolling and you're fi- and you've obviously figured some things out. So. I don't know that they win the division because I still think Baltimore is the elite team, and I think Cincinnati Bengals yeah. are on the rise. But you could be looking at a situation where where three of those teams make it to the playoffs this year. And with five wins now, I'm just counting them up in my head, I think this is a 10 or 11 win team because Green Bay, Six. Cleveland, Arizona, New England, Indy, I think that gets you to 10. 10. It does get you yep. to 10. And then Seattle would be a coin flip, a game right. at Seattle. Right. Yep. You're putting yourself in a position, like I said, to make it to the playoffs. I don't know that you catch Baltimore because it, you've beaten Baltimore head-to-head, so you you do have that over them. But I think Baltimore is, has figured some things out yeah, offensively, they're really and they're rolling. And like I said, Cincinnati is is on the hunt as well. So it's going to be a, a, a dogfight for that division down the stretch, but – Pittsburgh last night was a huge win for them to put themselves in that position. I don't know if sports bars open up on Sunday mornings at 8.30, but maybe the game of the year, Miami and Kansas City, NFL Network, 8.30 on Sunday morning. I wonder if the NFL had to do that one over again, if they would. I wish, I I think they would, but... Part of you should have known. I mean, first of all, it's the it's the Tyreek Hill playing against his former team. I don't know that you wanted that at eight thirty in the morning, anyways. But now the fact that both teams are six win teams and you're playing this game at eight thirty, now people are going to get. It. I told you when I lived in L.A., one of the best things about being in L.A. was football mm-hmm. at uh, ten o'clock. Sure. Yeah, yeah that's great. It was but a beautiful thing. Six thirty. Yeah, six thirty is going to be a little hard. Yeah, it's a little yeah. different. So. Uh, you know, I, I I'm sure people will be tuned in because of the game and the matchup. I hope that the field is is up to standards we've seen in these some of these games mm-hmm. across overseas that the fields are kind of choppy and and it that has a, has Germany, an impact right? on the game. Yeah, so we'll see. Hopefully, it is uh, everything is done well and and we get the best football we can get. The Blues have back to back games tonight against the Devils, six o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. Then tomorrow night against the Canadians, a five o'clock pregame. This on the heels of the Blues' four game road trip in which they lost the finale four one to the. Uh, Colorado Avalanche. Coach Craig Ruby on the fast lane yesterday, not too bothered by the way the Blues played. Yeah, I mean, I thought our start was good. I mean, we got scored on just um, on a play there where um, Tucks got caught a little bit flat-footed, but, you know, I think uh, like, you know, and then they got a power play goal, but I thought that, you know, the first period getting out of there, I know it was 2 nothing, but you know, I thought that uh, we battled. We had to kill off another penalty after we uh, called the high sticking and uh, went against us. But overall, you know, I wasn't displeased with the first period. 
or the second period. I thought the second period we we got the momentum back in the game. We got a goal. Um, you know, I thought we had a lot of zone time. Uh, did some real good things. You know, on just the third period, we we had two in self self inflicted wounds. Uh, we shot ourselves in the foot. They capitalized on both of them. There are unnecessary goals, in my opinion, that we gave up. So uh, this goes back to. Just like we talked about with Mizzou against Georgia, the Blues, when they're playing a team like Colorado, they have to play a perfect game, and they yeah. didn't. Yeah, I, it, there were a number of factors. Obviously, you know, you, you're you're ending the road trip. Um, they, I think they played really well in those first two periods, and I was talking to Jamie about it yesterday. One thing that I don't think we take into consideration, and I know fans are probably boo-hoo at this, when you're playing in Colorado – it does matter. Oh, yeah. It is a difference. If you've never trained there, if you've never played a full game there, you might be great the first two periods. You might be great the first two quarters of a football game or a basketball game. That third period, third quarter, fourth quarter of a, of a game, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. it's a little <laughs> – and, and, and now you're down. So I think they did play really well those first two periods. I think that – I also think that Coach Berube understands who his team is, who, who they are. And maybe he's looking at it and saying, for who we are, we played yeah, really well. Yeah, pretty good. So, and yeah. As bad as it is, you could always be the San Jose Sharks, who are 0-9-1. It's not great. And were drilled at home last night by the Ooh. Vancouver Canucks 10-10-1. to 0-9-1 and, and you yeah, lose 10-1 to one on home ice. Yeah, it was not good. A World Series score. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Texas Rangers. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad for San Jose. So it could always be worse than the Blues play San Jose on the 12th of this month. Okay, we're off and running here on this edition of the opening drive. Yes, sir. Uh, can I give a shout-out to uh, Mrs. Bush's third-grade class at Brown Elementary? They came over to our practice yesterday. Brown Elementary is directly behind Hazelwood Central. Uh, they came over yesterday. I know she says she listens every day. She enjoys us, uh, our show. So, Mrs. Bush, thank you so much for bringing your kids. They made us letters, uh, made us cards and pictures for our game tonight, telling us to go beat the Smitten, so it was uh, it was really cool. That's fantastic. Yes. That's cool, and I bet the kids loved it. Oh yeah, watching, all, my, all the players came over, gave them high fives, and you know, thanked them for for making the cards and the pictures. Very cool. Coming up, we're going to talk to Jed Stewart, the head coach at Lindenwood. They've got homecoming tomorrow, and uh, some other things going on in college football. Coming up your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One football team, the Lindenwood Lions, have homecoming in St. Charles. Tomorrow they'll be taking on Eastern Illinois University from Charleston, Illinois. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and we head to the Celebrity Lion. And Jed Stugart, the head coach at Lindenwood, joins us. Good morning, Coach. How are you doing? Good morning, guys. Good to be on with you this morning. A lot of people might not realize it, but the Eastern Illinois program is kind of storied, isn't it? They've got quite a history and quite a group of alums from Eastern Illinois. Well, it is. I mean, growing up in Denver, being a Denver Broncos fan, I got to start with Mike Shanahan, obviously, is one of those famous guys with, uh, you know, there's a lot of great uh, players that have come through there and coaches. Sean Payton, current Denver Bronco, got Garofalo, we got Keep Going, Tony Romo. Yeah, so, um, you know. Uh, that is. It's kind of a special story. A lot of people don't realize that. Coach, as a head coach, I want to get your opinion on the biggest story, I guess, in college football over the last couple of weeks, the the, the scandal that has taken place in Michigan. What are your thoughts on just opposing teams filming or 
getting getting um, an idea of what opposing teams are, are doing and how they're running their plays? Well, Kerry, I think we've discovered that our five losses here, all that stuff happened. So, you know, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really not uh, happy about it. You know, no, it's really kind of a serious thing that I, you know, um, and, it, 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 you know, unfortunately, you know, you know, signs get stolen in practice, uh, I mean, in games all the time, but, but it's in the course of a game. I mean, I think there's, there's teams that just put guys on. I mean, you're trying to figure out what's this sign mean and what did they run, and if you can kind of figure that out throughout the game, um, I don't even know if that's that really unethical. I mean, right. I think it's one of those things. But when you when you know when we're at this point where you know we're there's money involved, there's stuff to try to get people planted. I mean, I honestly haven't followed that much of it, but my coaches have kind of shared with me like some of the stuff specifics that's really gone down over the last few days. Yeah, it's. It's unfortunate because it's our job as coaches to teach the integrity of the game. It's our job to to raise these kids up, and I don't even know if that's really a shot at um, you know, coach. Uh, you know, maybe maybe like you said, he wasn't fully aware of all this. Uh, that I I know that I would want to you know I'd be very disappointed if I ever found out that I don't know every aspect of my team, and so I um, you know, and I would want to know everything that's going on in my team because I'm ultimately responsible for it. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of disappointing. I, I think we as coaches have a, uh, a bigger job than just teaching X's and O's, but uh, preparing young men for life. And I don't think that's teaching it. Jed, one of the things Eli Drinkwitz said is that with the money that college football makes, it could be shared down to the, this Division One level, the FCS level, and everybody in Division One could have a system similar to what the NFL has with the transmitter that goes into the quarterback's helmets. What do you think of that? You know, there's no doubt. Um, you know, and and um, that that would help. You know, I think uh, I think we've learned even in the NFL. Um, you know, people, whatever you do, if if you have it in your uh, <laughs> your your intentions to cheat, you're going to figure out a way to cheat. Now, this this solves a lot of that, no question. I think you know this has been brought up at our conventions and things like that. Um, you know, even even as much as three, four years ago, this has been being talked about. You know, there's a lot of things that go into that. You got to have, you know, you got to have somebody that can, you know, shut the, you know, shut the mic off, you know, at 20, 20, 10 seconds, you know, before the snap. You know, there's a lot of these things that, you know, how many do you put it in? Like the NFL, you, you know, you you have uh, like in our case, we're down to our fourth quarterback this year. What, you know, how many? Yeah, <laughs> how many mics do we put in our helmets right now? You know, so <laughs> you know, there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of those things that need to be worked out that will cost money, and I think that's been part of it at the conventions is that you have, you know, all that stuff has to get worked out. But the good news is it can be worked out. I mean, it can be figured out. Um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, I used to be a little bit old. You know, I am kind of old school. I kind of like the adjusting on the side, you know, on the sideline and not using technology and not having to do all this stuff. But, unfortunately, it's uh, it's kind of got us there, you know, with, with, with actions of some. Jed, you mentioned being on your fourth quarterback, and you've had a lot of other injuries. What have you learned about your group of guys when you're facing all this adversity? Well, first of all, you know, it's not the ideal year, but what I want to see is how our guys respond. And, uh, you know, number one, I think we have to look at the foundation of our team. One thing I'm very proud of is that in the midst of all this, how much they're staying together, they're fighting, they're scratching, they're not dividing. You don't hear the bickering. You know, we had a great week of practice. You know, I'm I'm really encouraged, really. I think uh, to see, you know, kind of that next man up mentality. Um, you know, and uh, and we've had some guys that have stepped in. I mean, we we get to, 
you know, we, we've, we've been really excited about the quarterback we recruited last year out of Colorado. And, you know, he, he gets his first start, you know, to tomorrow. And, and we're, you know, we've been excited about his week of practice, ready to see him go out and play. You know, this is kind of why you recruit these guys. And I think our teams are going to really rally around Tyler. And, and uh, you know, so I've learned a lot of that. And, and uh, you know, we're the – I think I saw somebody tweet out looking at the depth charts. You know, we're the, the 15th youngest, you know, team in the country right now. Wow. And uh, wow. that's really exciting. I mean, I, you know, we're – we're going to keep fighting our job. We we tweaked a lot of stuff in practice. I mean, we're doing everything we can to prepare our team. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a team we beat last year, and, and they're going to be a little frustrated over that still. And, and uh, I think our guys know that. It's homecoming. They're really proud to, to play in front of a lot of alumni that are coming back. So we're going to keep fighting and, uh, and keep believing. I, I feel like, you know, we had a great week of practice. Let's, I just said I just – you know, this has been our theme this week. Go out and play your tails off and just let the chips fall where they may. You know, don't worry about scores. Don't worry about all that. Just one play at a time, one quarter at a time, and and, uh, and then let's see where it all sorts out. Coach, when you're having a season like this, it's challenging. I want to know, is it more challenging when you're struggling to, to keep the guys together or when you're winning at a high level, trying to keep the guys to stay even keel? Well, and I think you, you know, you, you played and you've coached him, you're coaching. I mean, you know, I think that's a great question because I, I remember, um, you know, through our, uh, through most of my career, you know, um, man, the challenge has been, especially in those playoff years that we've had, um, you know, it's getting key guys to keep the humility of it yeah. and keep remembering what's got them there. And so, um, you know, it's funny. It's like coaches are never happy. You know, it's like they're winning. You know, they're never. not winning by enough, or, or you know, they didn't come out and start. You know, they never did. They didn't start fast enough in the second half. You know, we we let them come back. You know, and then we're mad after that. Then you're, you know, with a season like this, you're kind of. So no, coaches are never happy. It's it's one of those things. But uh, tough job, it is, coach. I think it's just as challenging. You know, when you're winning, uh, to keep their mindset. Uh, but uh, but I think what you want to I think you want to find out is when you have that foundation and, and adversity reveals character and it reveals culture. And I'm really proud of these guys because they're, uh, they ain't quitting. That's for sure. I mean, I told them, you know, I reminded them, you know, in the second half when we really came back out in the second half of last week, I mean, we won the second half 13 to three. I mean, it was one of those things where you guys can do this and it's got to be the next man up mindset and, and mentality. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we, we've, we've shown that we can, we can do that. 2 o'clock tomorrow, Lindenwood against Eastern Illinois. Tickets will be available. It's homecoming, and it should be a fun event and a fun atmosphere. Coach, we'll see you there tomorrow. Thanks for the time, as always. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy it. Thanks. That's Judd Stugart, the head coach at Lindenwood University, and they take on Eastern Illinois tomorrow. Meanwhile, it's interesting, CD, that Mizzou and Georgia is the game of the day tomorrow in college football, number two against number 12. Now, you have the big spread, so it might not wind up being the game of the day, but based on the rankings right now, 14th-ranked LSU takes on number 8 Alabama. That's a primetime game yep. on CBS. That starts at 6.45 St. Louis time. Alabama's a three-point favorite. I really think, despite what's happening with USC, and their defense is horrific, but I think that their game has a chance to be really interesting tomorrow. So, Against Washington. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and I wouldn't expect it to be a defensive uh, battle. I, I, I would think that it has a chance to be a shootout. And then... 
You also have uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, so you've got a Big 12 game. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State tomorrow. Bedlam, 2.30 in the last Bedlam, by the way. And uh, that one on ABC. So so there are some really interesting games among ranked teams tomorrow. Yeah, that um, USC-Washington game, Washington is only favored by three points, which is intriguing, seeing as how we've seen USC just not be able to stop anybody at all. If Washington can get a get two or three stops, they probably win that game because we know there's going to be offense going up and down. Um, but as you said, I think the Missouri game is going to be a really good game. Mizzou has to play sound football, take care of the football, not make mistakes. You can't the the. Last year is a is a perfect example of what not to do when you're playing mm-hmm. the the best team in the country. You had so many opportunities to win that game, and I think they what was the final score? Thirteen to what was the final? They only lost by a touchdown or ten points or something like that. But it was it was a game in which you could have very well, easily won. Twenty six twenty two. So. You you lose by a touchdown, but you get down there in the in the red zone on the goal line. I will ne- I I remember watching that play specifically and saying I don't know if I texted you or we were we were talking about it when they got that penalty on the goal line and they moved themselves back. Yep. That changed the game for them because that was right before halftime. You scored there. You put yourself in a position. I believe you would have gone up in that moment, but you kicked the field goal. You got points, but it's not the points you needed, and it changes the the momentum shifts a little bit for for Georgia and for Missouri. You get down there, they're like, oh man, they're on the doorsteps. They're about to go in. Oh, they're back five yards. Oh, we got life. Oh, we can still win this game. Missouri had every opportunity last year at home. It's going to be a little bit tougher on the road, but you still have that opportunity tomorrow to get it done. Mizzou and Georgia, and that one on CBS Television tomorrow. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up. Now that the Major League Baseball season is over and the offseason is here, who's one player that you'd like the Cardinals to focus in on acquiring? Uh, Carrie and I and Matthew will give us ours. You can give us yours, too, on the text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Plus, you can always watch us on our Air Alliance Team YouTube channel at 101 ESPN STL. Just watch us online on YouTube. Coming up next, we're going to talk some ball on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. is not here today. She is visiting family in Tennessee. It's Carrie, Matthew, and Randy. And Alden Gonzalez of ESPN has a story out regarding the possible destinations for Shohei Otani. Now, some of these are stalking horses, clearly. When you have this many teams on the list, some teams are there to drive up the price for other teams. The teams at Alden Gonzalez lists, 10 that Otani would be willing to go to, apparently, that's a third of baseball, are the L.A. teams, Texas, Seattle, Boston, the New York teams, the Cubs, San Francisco, and Toronto so the Cardinals are not on that Dude. list of possibilities. I think the two that are kind of under the radar possibilities that I will not be surprised by are Seattle and San Francisco. Well, I, yeah, staying staying on the West Coast mm-hmm. more than likely sounds seems like what what would be feasible or what he would want to do. I, I was I was under the impression that he was going to want to stay in LA, whether it be with the Angels, mm-hmm. maybe the Dodgers, you know, not really moving from that area. Uh you get kind of comfortable and, and I was watching something during the playoffs we were talking about superstardom. Like Bryce Harper enjoys the the, the superstardom. Mm-hmm. I think baseball does an okay job but could do better of marketing their superstars a la Bryce Harper. He needs to be on every single commercial. So does Mike Trout and so does um, Shohei Otani. Yep. But those two might not be guys that embrace that type of superstardom. They kind of just go to work, go home, and don't worry about it, which would be weird seeing that you're in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> but, and Otani's doing commercials now. Yeah. You see him a lot. Yes. And he doesn't have to talk. He His likeness is really valuable. Right. So I would think that with the Dodgers, he, he would be fine. Maybe not the bright lights of New York. Right. And is he going to really, are the Mets going to sign him after everything the Mets did this I season? Don't think are they, the Mets really I, I do think that? the Mets hit the reset button, meaning when they got yeah. all of those guys off of their off of their roster, like, hey, that, that, that didn't work. Let's yeah. try it a different right. way. <laughs> yeah. So let's take Otani out of the mix. Okay. We're into the postseason now, into the offseason. In four days, players can uh, determine whether they're going to be free agents. Hundreds will enter the free agent pool. Who's the one guy that you want to see the Cardinals get? After watching him perform in the playoffs, I know his last start may not have been the top tier or top level that you wanted, but give me Aaron Nola. Give me an ace, a a true ace, a guy that I know I can give the ball to every fifth day. He's going to go out there. He's going to do the best job that he can do. That's the one thing, one of the things that was lacking from this rotation, uh, from this team all season long was a true number one. I think Aaron Nola provides that for you, and he obviously has, you know, playoff uh, the credentials in the playoffs. He's had success. He's he showed up in big moments. You don't have to worry about him shrinking in those moments. You know you can give him the ball. And he seems like a guy that is pretty even keeled as well. Like not up and down. Just go do his job and and enjoys doing it. I think that's a great call. And I am like you in wanting a starting pitcher. But from everything I hear in talking to people about Dylan Cease, he was victimized by the White Sox just being bad in yeah. 2023. He's still. A guy that takes the ball every day. He gives innings. Nola does the same thing. But from the Cardinals' perspective, there's still a couple of years of control for Dylan Cease. So 
if the price is right, and there are, I'm not giving up Jordan Walker to get Dylan Cease on my roster, but I'm going to give up a pretty significant chunk of talent so that I can get Dylan Cease. That's my one. All right. What about Matthew Rocky? Can I, can I ask you real quickly? Yes. So you're not giving up Jordan Walker. If you had to give up two players on this current roster, and it, not Jordan Walker and obviously not Goldie and, and Arenado, what two players are you willing to part with? A couple of months ago during the season, we asked Jesse Rogers of ESPN, who's in Chicago, boots on the ground. I asked him if he thought the White Sox would take Nolan Gorman and Gordon Graceffo. And he said, yeah, I think that would get it done. Mm. I would do that. Would Mason Wynn be off, off, limits. off limits as well? Off okay. limits for me. Yeah. And by the way, they they have a young shortstop in Chicago, but they're going to lose Tim Anderson. Right. So they might be interested in a, a guy like Wynn. But no, that, that's a, a big no for okay. me, dog. Uh, <laughs> Randy Jackson. Can I add a caveat? <laughs> yes. If if Erod opts out, mm-hmm. he's my number one. That's a good call. Especially he didn't want to go anywhere last year, right? He he he, he wants to he he, he wanted to um, go closer to the East Coast. Yeah. And he wanted to be around his family, yes. around his family. But he also wants to be closer with that family to a free zoo. There it is. Ah, exactly. And so if he opts out, Erod's my number one. Especially if we're talking about five years, 90 million. If I mean, five years, 100 million, I'd be comfortable with. Five years, 90 being the projection he got in the uh, Bowden, um, uh, Bowden, excuse me, um, article in The Athletic. But, and I, I know you're going to hate this, Randy, but my second, if he doesn't opt out, it, it's it's still Sonny Gray. Just because. <laughs> it's Sonny. Three years, $65 million mm-hmm. is an extremely reasonable contract when you're talking about a Cardinals team that needs multiple starters in the offseason. Sure. And so, so I simply no, think that you give. You, you, how many Sonny Gray's. The projection right now that. that, that um, Bowden put in was three years, sixty-four million. So they could have got Nathan Ivaldi last year for two and thirty-four. Yeah. So which yeah, one? That which would, one is better? Fantastic. Which so, one? Which one? Who? Who is better? Well, Nathan Ivaldi before he goes four zero in the freaking postseason to win the World Series. Also been I'm a key guy in the Red Sox World Series winning I think Ivaldi was was one of the names we talked about last year. Yeah. Is who they should have gone after as well. I would have loved Nathan Ivaldi, but yeah. now now I'm going to move on sure. to, to your boy Sonny Gray. Here's my question about Sonny Gray. And I'm, I'm going to try to do this in a rational manner, okay? If Sonny Gray is the guy that the Cardinals spend their money on, who's your number one starter? Probably Sonny Gray. You're probably in the same. I don't, yeah, I, similar, I think, similar, bro. Yeah, I, I think you need a true number one starter. I think Aaron Nola fits that, that bill. I think... Blake Snell fits that bill. I, I think those guys do. I don't know. I, I think Sonny Gray it's an extra is a, eight, it's an extra eight to nine million. Yeah, you want to call you want you want to save money plus three years. You want to save money or you want to win? I want to be. I'm trying to find a realistic way to to get multiple pitchers on the, in this roster and, and the Cardinals spending. You can, the Cardinals you can, spend. I, I can give you one. Sixty five million. A realistic is. way. Go pay for a pitcher in free agency okay. and trade for a pitcher. Well, I'm, I'm trading for it. I'm, I'm, I'm buying a pitcher in free agency. That's what you I go in, no, 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 no. You go get one pitcher, an ace, and then you trade for a pitcher. That is the... And, and then... You said you were going to get three. If you only get two in that manner, I think everyone will be satisfied. If it's the right two. I'm with you there. So, yeah. I mean, I think... Randy, I think we solved all the issues. We, we can, I'm just I'm preparing myself for the, I'm preparing yeah. myself for the Gray Lugo one two punch as like the big moves. That's I'm I'm preparing myself because it seems like if you asked me, get in a time machine, go to May twenty twenty four, what is your expectation? 
that's kind of my expectation. Uh, here's somebody who logically wants Will Smith, who's played on three, three consecutive. Yep. Get him yeah, here, World, World Series ASAP. Uh, so pretty good. What about Josh Hader? Anybody like Josh Hader? I do like Josh Hader a lot. You have a problem with paying seventy-five million for a closer? What I don't think uh, yeah, I would, but I, I would hope that he wouldn't cost that much. Sixty. Yeah, what Bowden says probably doesn't fly there. Yeah, Bowden, because when you look at what has happened with expensive free agent Bowden closers, has, teams have a t- tendency to look at history. Uh, who has imported a, an expensive reliever and had it work? Uh, yeah, Bowden has three for sixty-seven. Yeah, that's just. I mean, I love it, but that just seems like a lot of money to put in a position that has proven to be so volatile. Yeah. Uh, somebody says we need Bob Gibson who can pitch every game. That'd be a good one to have. Uh, here's another one, Yamamoto. And we did, we haven't even talked about the Japanese pitchers. Yamamoto is an interesting name, and the Cardinals apparently have interest in him. Uh, Otani would be a long shot. I would say a real long shot. And... Uh, is there a number... Yamamoto, um, 7 for 200. Is that is that a number... That that causes you to say, "Whoa!" I would. I I have to admit, I have not seen enough of him. Right. Uh, for me, yes, that would cause me to go, "Whoa!" Because he's a guy that's pitched in six man rotations, so you, you're going to have to change your approach with a guy like that until he assimilates to the American game. Great stuff and young. I think that is an interesting number for him. I think if I had the choice between tra- trading for Cease, who's done it at the major league level, or getting Yamamoto, I would go for Cease. But if I can't get Cease and I can't get Nola, then Yamamoto is right there at the top of my list. The Cardinals need to make it make a splash, and they need to go out and sign and trade Carry, can, a guy. Can you sign guys, a guy and trade for a guy? What do we need to do to get me to this point by by Christmas? Because we got a text here from the 618, and he says, either Juan Soto or Jorge Soler, Aaron Nola, Yamamoto, Yamamoto Glass now Gray, is the only successful offseason. What do I need to do short of getting into why, something why extremely illegal to get that kind of positivity going? <laughs> what am I getting? I'm just asking. It would be a fun offseason. I'd love it. I would love it. I would love it, to even have a that's hope the only that a successful that would happen. Offseason? Yeah, that's a lot of money going to a lot of people. You're shipping out like $180 million. It's like $120 well, million in spending for one next season. And my guess is that you're probably not going to have young players left if you're trading for both Soto and Glass. Now. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. I don't yeah. think that's possible. So, but it'd be fun to have a starting rotation of Nola, Yamamoto, Glassdown, and Gray. I think Miles I would be intrigued. Michael is your five at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I would be intrigued. Hey, thanks for your text. We do appreciate them, and we need more because we've got Take It or Leave It coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! Tioli next for you on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. (laughs) 
Great to have you with us on a happy Friday morning on 101 ESPN. Carrie, Randy, and Matthew. Brooke is out. She'll be back on Monday. Carrie, I had the uh, the great fortune of emceeing an event last night for Friends of Kids with Cancer over at the Ritz-Carlton. It was their annual fashion show where kids with cancer or mm-hmm. that have uh, are in remission for cancer, they actually get to model uh, clothes. And Joe Vitale was there. We'll talk to him about this later on. But John Kelly was there. Uh, Nico Giochini was there. It was really great. The the local uh, sports teams really were terrific. And in the crowd, because he's going to the Metallica concert tonight, was ESPN's Chris Berman. I've known him for for a long time and had a chance to go talk to him. Take it or leave it, Chris Berman, in the 45 years, 44 years of ESPN, is the most memorable talent that they've had. Take it. Hey, uh... Him and Stuart Scott. I uh-huh. think Stuart Scott was... was yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chris Berman, rumbling, stumbling, bubbling. Yeah. He was him, Stuart Scott, because first time I heard Stuart Scott on TV, I like, I've never heard anybody talk like that mm-hmm. on TV. Yeah. And and then you had Chris Berman with all of the nicknames. Yep. Yes. Th- those are the first two that come to mind when I think of ESPN and, and all that they have done you know, throughout the years. I was telling him that we would come home from Rams games during the radio show on Turf Air, and I said, we just had to see your highlights because yeah. they were so cool. And he said, it wasn't me. It was them. And he, he wasn't wrong, but he was kind of the soundtrack for the highlights of that team. And he's the one that gave them the name, The Greatest Show on oh, Earth. Okay. And then Barnum and Bailey stepped in and said, you can't call them The Greatest Show on Earth. We are. And they yeah. had a trademark, so they changed it to The Greatest Show on Turf. But I'm, I, I was thinking about it, and there have been so many great talents, Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann and uh, Bob Lee and yep. all of the people that have been at ESPN. But for me, the most memorable is definitely Chris Brown. Yeah, he's, he's definitely top. Top two, yeah. yeah. Him and like I said, him and Stuart Scott. Scott. Yeah, yeah, Great he was just awesome. Uh, so I was reading an article, got an article from about from the New York Post saying that bad grammar actually causes physical distress in others. Take it or leave it. Bad grammar. When you read bad grammar from other oh. people, it causes a pain inside of you. So like when you lose a game and it's spelled L O O S E. Oh, Randy. Lose and loose is like one of the top tier. Mm-hmm. That that yep. that one two two and two, there there and there. And though yep. it, it, I'm reading this and this. You're and you you are. Yep. I, it pains. It me. shouldn't be that difficult. It should. We all went to school. Yeah, with it, the curriculum was all the same. We all learned how to spell, how yep. to read, and how to write. And yet, every and time I try to avoid putting a preposition at the end of a sentence in the fight, you and Brooke just come at me. Well, it sounds weird. Oh, listen, yeah, CD, it, it causes me angst. Physical pain. Tony Romo on a broadcast the other day said lackadaisical, <laughs> and I gritted my teeth. I said, Tony, help you, Carrie. Help me. Help uh, you. Yeah. So, and for those that use the word lackadaisical, please don't anymore. There's lax <laughs> and there's lackadaisical. It's not a combined word. Two, two totally different words. Two don't, totally, don't put them they, together. They, and actually, they kind of mean the same thing. <laughs> kind of, uh, kind of uh, laissez-faire. You know, they, not really, not not really caring about. You know, you're, you're lax. You don't really care. You're you're relaxed or you're lackadaisical. You don't really care. So you can use lax or you can use lackadaisical, lackadaisical. but not lackadaisical. Okay. Uh, just maybe you. putting an emphasis. But you see, you you see how you feel? My yeah. shoulders are tightening <laughs> up. Take a deep breath. <laughs> because it does. I, I have to turn. I get on Facebook sometimes. Like, oh, you're so damn dumb. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, oh yeah, Lord. right. <laughs> what yeah. do we got on the text line, Matthew? Take it or leave it. If the Cardinals payroll is at 155 now, take it or leave it, they will not pass 180. 
I'll take that. 25 more. Oh, 155. I think, I, I think 180 is the magic number, though. Can we get to 190? Can I interest Kerry, you in 190? I don't think they'll that's go one pitcher. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's why That's why to no. 25 million is for what you are. Right. offers 20 million. Give me really 195. I don't. I know you're not going to go above 200. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You can 198 to 192 range, 192 to 198. Stay in that. If you can get in that range, that's a that's a that's almost that, that's a good number. I think the Cardinals are too risk averse with the situation with Bally. What? And with as build with the third set, and this is not me saying it. It was him to the Business Journal. They're going to have reduced revenues. I'm thinking that they. Why are, is the revenue going to be reduced, Randy? Well, they didn't. Get as many people into the ballpark Why not? because they weren't as good. Because they weren't yep. as good. So but are, fix it by fixing the team. But are they sure that if they win, they're going to get those fans back? Or is there a chance that those fans have already departed for St. Louis City SC? I know multiple people, three or four, that have made the decision. They, they had season tickets for both the Cardinals and SC this year and made the decision to go with SC for their season tickets rather than the Cardinals. But I know, and I'm sure, I don't know if we have a waiting list like the Packers do for season tickets, but I'm sure there's a waiting list to get season tickets to become a a, a Cardinal season ticket holder. I'm sure that those people that decided that they're going to go in City's direction, for every one of those, there's another person that wants to go see the Cardinals. That's why I said it's not me. It was DeWitt that said that they're going to have decreased revenues. But you, you... this is an analytical team. The analytics tell you that they've been coming for decades, man. All you got to do is put a good product on the field. I think one, uh, I, I really on, think they, Randy, that 180 is the magic if number. They, if they go 170, I'm going to walk off. We're going to have a show. When they fi- finish their roster, I'm going to get up, put my headset yeah. down, and walk out. And by the way, I believe, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, that last year the Rangers opening day payroll was 175, right? Uh, let me double check here. The Cardinals were well behind them, but uh, uh, so you can do things hopefully during the season if the fans show up and if you're good enough so that the fans do show up. Um, let me get, here we go. O- opening day payroll last year, uh, the Cardinals were at they were ranked 15th. Oh, the Cardinals were at 175, and the Rangers were at 195 at the beginning of last year. So there is. You want to win a World Series? One ninety-five is the number. That's well, uh, but they went over two hundred with their Scherzer trade and stuff like that. But yeah, so the Cardinals started at one, and that's the number to look at, not the number they closed at because they traded they Montgomery and Flaherty right. and all those guys. So one seventy-five is which the was, magic which number, which was up from the year before, from like one sixty. So right, I, so, it wasn't like one sixty the year before. So it was about fifteen million more. Yeah, but so I, I can get you to one ninety, one seventy-five to start last year, one ninety to start this year. I can get you to one ninety, which again is one pitcher. What if you're they, 155 right now? Oh, oh yes, yeah. Okay. Now, now, now we're talking. Okay, 35 million. That's yeah. yeah. That's a pitcher and a reliever. Get, can yeah. I can I get five million more? Starter and a reliever. Yeah. Okay. Give me 40 million. Five million is no big deal. No, I mean not if you. I mean, nah. well, that's case, give me ten. <laughs> <laughs> now you got some starting pitchers, baby. Uh, now you got Stu going. Take it or leave it. People that tell me the score of a game with the losing team score first drives you nuts. Totally take it. Right, what type of it sick doesn't individual? Bother me that much. Yeah. It what? It doesn't yeah, bother they me. They lost one to three. T- why would you say that? Yeah. Why would anybody ever say that? Who hurt you? What <laughs> type of individual? Where are you from? What, what, what? I'm from an individual Why that... Why did they do that? I'm at? from an individual that, um, if I don't want to use the word lose in a tweet because I only have 140 characters, 
or whatever it is now, I just say Mizzou 1428. You can now see Ooh. that they lost that game. Oh, Ooh. Rock, I won't be following you anytime soon. I think that it's might only, be the... It's only in a situation how where many I got really are you? It. How many characters are you using that you can't put four more in multiple, there? I hate using multiple L-O-S-E. tweets. L-O-S-E. I don't like that. No, I just... I, I, no, I'm, I'm moving this an L. Oh. I'm, I'm saving every character, Carrie. You probably need to condense but how does those. That, but why, why <laughs> not just put the other team first? I mean, why not... Put the, do it the way it's supposed to be done. For example, they lose to Georgia 28-14. Georgia, Georgia 28, 28, Missouri 14. There you go. <laughs> he, he's, 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 it makes too much sense. He's it does. Do that. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't understand why you guys are saying it. I'm just, it, it doesn't bother me. And so yep. I'll, I've, I've done it before. Bothers me as much as loose. <laughs> there you go. Take it or leave it. I should not feel bad betting against the Blues when they play any good team. Take it. Uh, yeah, it's, it. uh, it's your own pocketbook. Nobody loves you like you love you. <laughs> I, I At this point, I just feel like, you know, we, we're kind of seeing who the Blues are. They're a good team, mm. good players, good guys, but just not, maybe not good enough to win the games versus the upper echelon teams in, in the league. That's very well said. Hey, thanks for your texts. We do appreciate them for taking it or leave it. Coming up, it's game two between St. Louis City SC and Sporting KC. Sunday at four, we're going to talk to City coach Bradley Carnell. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. In a word, chaos. Oh, it's a Down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock, game two of the best of three series between St. Louis City SC and a Sporting KC. And joining us right now on the Celebrity Line with Kerry Davis and Randy Carricker is Bradley Carnell, the head coach of St. Louis City SC. Coach, good morning. Great to have you with us. Thanks for your time. How are you doing? Yeah. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me over again. Yeah, it's been a while. How has your training gone this week? Yeah, it's gone good. Yeah, I mean, uh, business as usual. You know, uh, we, we've... Uh, haven't changed our methods uh, we've stuck to who we're trying to be and and uh, you know what we expect to see on on game day so you know for us it's been business as usual right yeah how, how did the group react after what happened on sunday night yeah for sure it takes a bit of time you know it, a little bit of deflation but also you know we're not going to we're not going to stick our head in sand and and disappear and you know we want to make sure that uh, the feelings that we had post game for those initial hours um We've dished that out many times <laughs> this season. So, you know, and that's part of being a pro and that's part of being in a pro organization. You know, sometimes you're on top and sometimes you get, uh, you know, yeah, take a, a punch to the to the stomach. So, you know, we got that blow blow and, and now we're dealing with it. And, and now we're trying to, you know, uh, get sharp, get fit, get healthy again. And, and we've we know there's another there's another round to this uh, fight, you know, and um, that's what the message has been. And, uh, yeah, we're excited about that. It's not, uh, you know, prior years of being in the league. You know, there's the aggregate scoring where away goals count and all this type of, all these types of parameters. But that that's not the case anymore. So it's a loss 
you know, we take the loss and, and uh, we have to go away from home and, and now just turn the table, you know, and uh, that's, as, that's as simple as it gets. We just have to go there and win. Coach, do you feel like your group, um, you know, first playoff game ever got hit in the mouth? Do you feel like your group is going to respond in a way that, that they understand the importance of what has to take place over there in Kansas this weekend? Yeah, I think they knew the importance in the first game too. You know, and sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I think that's just, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, everyone or, you know, we are quick to forget about. You know, this is uh, part of our journey. This is part of our season and we have to take the good with the bad. And, you know, anyone signs up for this job, they know that it's not always going to be, you know, the smell of a bed of roses. Um, sometimes there's going to be tough moments as well. And these are these moments we have to get through as a group and, you know, be excited about the challenges because when you get through those challenging times, that's when it makes it so much sweeter, the success. Coach, do you change anything in terms of approach, whether lineup or schematic for Sunday? Yeah, I mean, we're just having a look for sure. There's a, you know, there's a there's a small different picture we want to put out there. But you know, what that means, who's in, who's out. You know, we'll we'll leave that for game day. And uh, you know, uh, we've we've been convincing with our you know players. We've been supportive of the players. We've been supportive as a group. And you know, we're we're excited as a, as a group just to right those wrongs, you know, and uh, I don't think it, it, it matters who starts, who's on the bench. I think we've proven time and time again, you know, we have a complete group that believes in the picture. We have a complete group that has given performances, whether they started or whether they've come off the bench. So, you know, I think it's going to take a whole group performance for us to get through on, on the weekend. And coach, uh, we know, and I'm sure you know, that Sporting KC listens to the opening drive on the app every single day. So uh, we don't want to give away the St. Louis City SC game plan just yet on the radio on a Friday morning. 100%. I mean, listen, and, and the thing is, even if we gave everything away, it's nothing they wouldn't know anyway. Yeah. You know, they know us pretty well. We've played them now four times. The series between us are 2-2. Um, we're going into, into game number five, you know. Uh, we're just hoping it turns into game number six here at City Park in 14 days' time. Coach, when you look at that game on Sunday, what are some of the things that you in, uh, liked from that game that you all can improve on? Yeah, listen, I thought, you know, up until the goal that we conceded, um, you know, I thought we were in the game, um, you know. And, uh, yeah, listen, we, we were very or bitterly disappointed the way the the game, you know, gets going over 90 minutes and, and the way we conceded the goals. And, you know, if you think about when we played them here at home a couple of weeks ago, the score was zeros at 72 minutes, right? We make one or two changes, a different energy. We score four goals in 12 minutes. Um, you know, last Sunday, we conceded three goals in 15 minutes. And, you know, we concede goals from, you know, outside the box. You know, these things don't always happen. So that gives me hope that, you know, these things, and Dembe scores his first goal in his whole career. You know, credit to him. He's at the right spot at the right time and, 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 and rips one from, you know, 20 meters or something. Um, and that goes in the top corner. So, again, you know, some things are, are, you know, just meant to be and some things are just meant to be in, in a negative way for us. And those were those moments that, yeah, we got smacked in the face. Um, but for me, I always say you have to work, you know, you have to work exceptionally hard to get lucky. Um, and, you know, I thought we, we you know, did we give enough account of ourselves on the day? Maybe we left a few percent out there. You know, maybe we could have, you know, yeah, willed ourselves to a little bit more as, as a group. So, yeah, that's the only thing I would say is, is you know, just being a, a lot more in a, in a group 
um, dynamic, a lot more in a, in a group sort of supporting space, whether I'm on the bench or whether I'm playing. So for me, it's about the group, you know, and, and knowing that things happened last week Sunday that don't usually happen. Um, and, and that's what we're going to put forward to, and that's going to give us hope going forward. Coach, in watching from a non-expert perspective last week, it seemed like Casey was able to force possession onto you. How do you, how do you deal with that if, if they're forcing the, the possession onto St. Louis City this week? Yeah, listen, I mean, a lot of teams have done it, and, and a lot of teams have, you know, and some days we have really good days with the ball, and some days we, we have some off days with the ball, and, and not every day is going to go your way where every pass, every connection, every through ball, every cross, every shot comes off, right? Everything went in their favor on that day. So, you know, we, we, we know the tables can turn, and we've seen it turn before. So, you know, we have to now, you know, apply ourselves in a, in a slightly different manner. Uh, we have to take the game in a different, slightly uh, uh, take it take it to them in a different way. Um, and, and then we'll see what comes out of it. You know, at their field now where, you know, they might have to be forced to, to do one or two more things that they're not used to. Coach, can you talk to me about the environment at City Park for the first ever uh, playoff game? What was that environment like in comparison to maybe the home opener? Yeah, I think that's that's what most, you know, disturbing for the players to live with that after the fact, knowing the way the fans came out, the way the buzz in the stadium was exceptional. It was electric, as it always has been. But just that, that first playoff game. So the players are disappointed at the result, but, you know, we're disappointed at, at what we gave our fans. You know, that's, we knew uh, when you draw a line in the sand, what's acceptable, what's not, we knew that that wasn't acceptable. We knew um, that that moment got away from us and, and the players are chomping at the bit to write that, to write that wrong and, and, and to, you know, to get us back on that, uh, on the, on the right side of the tracks. Yeah. Does weather make any difference? It's going to be 70 degrees and dry on Sunday. No, I mean, I felt we had one of our best games against Minnesota a couple of weeks ago in the bit of, bit of cold and rain. Um, and then we've had our best, one of our best games, you know, when we came out of the League's Cup under pressure um, and, and uh, beat Austin, you know, 6-3. It was 5-1 or 5-2 at some point late on in the game. But that was at 114 degrees or something mm-hmm. felt like or, or heat index. So, you know, I think we've proven at both sides of the spectrum that we can perform. Hey, Bradley, one more thing, and you just talked about the crowd here at City Park on Sunday night. Uh, apparently, there's going to be a lot of City Red in the stands on Sunday. How much does that energize your players to know that people are driving across the state of Missouri to come and watch you perform? Yeah, it's, it's incredibly humbling and, and incredibly supportive because that's exactly what we need. If if we can feel at home, away from home, and, and as we have done, I mean, I know the result didn't go our way the last time we played there, but I thought we did a pretty good account of ourselves and the fans really brought it and you know that felt like a home match for for that game so if we could have something of the same you know we'd be extremely grateful (laughs) and and of course we want to turn those tables around coach thanks so much for the time we appreciate it good luck on sunday and i'll i'll say it here we'll talk to you next week as we prepare for game three okay Thank you so much. Yes, let that be the case. All right, take care. Bradley Carnell, the head coach of St. Louis City SE, joining us here in the opening drive on 101 ESPN. I, I love Bradley Carnell. No, he's I great. think he's uh, awesome. He's a, he's a great coach, great man. He's always come on with us and enjoy having him on because I think he gives us you know the honest opinion, honest truth of what's going on with this team. And we ask about even keel. Yeah. You, talk, you couldn't have a more even keel guy Very than, much than so. him. He's the best. Yeah. It's it, it, it just... 
They just keep doing everything right. Yeah, Again, they, they didn't do. play well on Sunday. It happens. But, I mean, you know, right now everything off the field just keeps going just perfectly. Carnell's great. Coming up, the Blues take on the New Jersey Devils tonight at Enterprise Center. We have the pregame for you at 6 and the action at 7. Blue Center Robert Thomas joins us on game day next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas, score! Inside the Blues locker room. What a goal by Robert Thomas! It's time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Today, visiting your family in Tennessee, Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker. The opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Blues taking on the Devils tonight at Enterprise Center and then the Canadians tomorrow night. And joining us on the Celebrity Line is friend of the show, Robert Thomas, who joins us every week. Robert, good morning. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. Great to have you with us. Uh, first of all, you have a, a skate in a couple of hours and then you'll play tonight. What do you think of the tradition of the pregame skate in hockey, the, the, the 1030 in the morning skate? Uh, I personally love it. I think it kind of gets you moving in the morning. You, um, you get to feel the puck, kind of skate around a little bit. So uh, I'm a I'm a big fan. Does it get you all? I mean, how are you all? And I'm not a I'm not really a morning person, even though I'm up every morning. How how are you in the mornings? Are you are you up and at them? Or are you kind of slow motion until the time it's time to get going? Uh, it depends. Uh, usually, if if we play if we play at night, the next morning I am out of service until like, <laughs> like 10 a.m. But if we don't play, uh, I'm usually usually up and about it. How about caffeine? Does caffeine work for you? Uh, I actually don't drink coffee. 25, Randy. You don't have to drink coffee when you're 25. <laughs> right, tell him, man. Listen, Robert, 25 a- years old, We have you, you got your own thing. You don't need caffeine at 25. Robert. Am I correct? You have the floor. Um. No, I actually don't drink coffee. Uh, none of my family has, but uh, I got a dog now, and he, he has no problem waking me up in the morning. So. Okay, so uh, number one, you so you're the guy walking around a hockey rink that doesn't have coffee in his hand, right? You're the one. Yeah. <laughs> because that's a tradition yeah. in hockey rinks. Okay, tell us about the dog, dog's name, and breed. Uh, I got a burn doodle. Uh, his name's Moose, and uh, he's a brown. he's a brown Bernadoodle. Who's chuckling? I hear him laughing. <laughs> it's Matthew. It's Matthew. Yeah, in the back Moose is a great name for a dog. I uh, love yeah. that. Hey, uh, I'll tell you this, Robert. I have a dog named Moose. He's a, a lab mix. Chris Pronger also has a dog named Moose that's that's a lab mix. Moose is a great name. Why did you go with the name Moose for your dog? Um, well, <laughs> you probably just heard him barking. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I don't know, just when we saw him, he was... Like in his whole litter, he's the only brown one. He's brown and white, and you know we're Canadian. We're like, ah, moose sounds great, and kind of stuck with it. Perfect. I named mine after Brian Elliott on the day that he got benched by the Blues in the 2016 playoffs. <laughs> I named my dog. I actually put him on a bench. My very first picture of my dog Moose is on a bench. Oh, Randy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know it's bad. I know. I know it's bad. But unfortunately, Moose, who's one of my all-time favorite Blues, he never played another game for us. But my dog is named after him, so I honored Moose that way. 
There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, hey, w- w- hockey players, you you know more than us when you're down on the ice when things are coming. And you guys have obviously been inconsistent and you haven't been able to score a lot. Is there anything that, that is making you think, okay, we're on the edge of something good happening? Yeah, I think a couple things. I think, uh, you know, first of all, I think scoring obviously has been an issue so far this year, but you look at historically with our team, we've never really had a problem scoring. It's more so taking care of our own end. So I think that's just, that's one big positive to take out of all this is, um, you know, the scoring's going to come. The chances are there. It's just not going in. And um, at least we're doing enough defensively to, to kind of keep ourselves in these games that, you know, when the scoring comes, they're going to have success. Um, I think that's uh, one big positive to, to take all of it. And also at the same time, I think the, you know, games we won, uh, we've played such a such a strong game, um, and you know we we've been able to do it. And uh, I think that's another thing. We just need that consistency of doing that every night. Robert, you talk about scoring and, and and the struggles there. Some of the struggles have also come on the power play. Have you all talked more about just how to get that going and and maybe taking more shots and being a little bit more selfish? I think you all are are great team players, but sometimes you got to be a little bit selfish out there and get that shot on goal. Yeah. Um, like I was saying, uh, you know, on the power play, chances are a huge thing. Um, you know, you look at if you're consistently getting those chances, they're they're going to go in the net. Um, you know, also when you're scoring, you know, the power play's got a little bit of swagger, a little bit of confidence, and I think that's that's really important, especially on the power play. So, um, you know, those chances are going to go in. Uh, eventually, they can't they can't stay out forever, and uh, when they do, I think it'll it'll really open up a lot more. Robert, you're known as a playmaker, and we, uh, again, we sit afar, Carrie and I never played, but we say, okay, well, he's got to develop chemistry with player X or player Y that's on his wings. Can you tell us about that process and whether it really is a process to develop chemistry that with somebody that you're playing with? Yeah, I, I would say it definitely, it definitely is a huge thing. Um, you know, a lot of times out there on the ice, um, you don't even have time to look. Uh, you're playing off instincts, you're playing off of you know, where you expect people to be and where you think people are going to be. And uh, that's what comes with chemistry. Um, you know, knowing knowing what guys like to be, where they are in different situations. Um, so you don't even have to look. You just know, know and trust that they're going to be there. So uh, that's a huge part of hockey and, and building chemistry and uh, creates a lot of plays off of that. Does it make it harder when you all are, are sh- changing lines and shifting people around like that? Yes and no. I think, uh, you know, a lot – Everyone's a really good player at this level, so um, you know, doesn't really matter who you're playing with. Um, you know, even if you're just watching the game, um, you know, sit on the bench watching, you kind of pick up on things with different people. So, so that when you when you do play with them, you, you kind of get a get a jump start on it. You like having these back to backs tonight against Jersey and tomorrow against Montreal? Uh, I do, yeah. Uh, especially where we're kind of at. Um, you know, I'm excited for. The game tonight, I think we're going to have a good response. Um, obviously, New Jersey's been playing really well, so it's going to be a, a big challenge for us. And um, I think everyone on, on the team's just just wanting to play more games. We want to prove ourselves, and um, you know we want to enjoy going to the rink and, and winning games. So um, I, I'm excited to, to have back-to-backs and to kind of have a bunch of games coming up here. Hey, Robert, I got to tell you, I am 61 years old and I've had one cup of coffee in my life. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not a coffee guy either, brother. 
yeah, I don't know what it – it just doesn't sit well with me, taste, and definitely not in my stomach. So. Robert, I'm about to be on my second one today. Don't worry about it. As soon as this interview ends, <laughs> yeah, that's where so, I'm going. Yeah, he'll make up for, <laughs> he'll, he'll make up for our deficiencies. <laughs> I see some guys with like four or five cups in the morning. Like what the hell is going on? <laughs> they're, they're zooming. They're, 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 Joey, Joey Vitale. That's Joey's talking to you, man. No doubt. Hey, have a great day. Have a great game tonight, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Take care, Robert. And we also heard from Moose. His his Bernadoodle. So, awesome. uh, I like how we heard in the background. That was yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so bark. We, we heard his moose. He heard you snickering. He heard our rock. Yeah. <laughs> he said moose, and I was like, I know for a fact Randy has a dog named Moose. I know for a fact there's there's another blues player. I can't remember who, but I'm pretty sure there's another blues player who has a dog named Moose hmm. currently on the roster. Hmm. And so I was just I was laughing because I was like, it's a great name for a dog, but I've heard it used a lot. It's you know, but again, if you got a big brown Labradoodle, those things are those things are a lot bigger than you ever expect them to be. People don't hear Labradoodle and think tiny dogs, but usually it's a standard poodle, which means that on its hind legs, it's a six-foot-tall dog. It's a big-ass dog, so, you know, Moose is a great name for it. Yeah. One of the things the Blues need to make sure that they don't do is let this season get away from them quickly, like they did last year with the eight-game losing streak. It was basically over after the eight-game losing streak, and I'm not suggesting that the Blues are going to go into an eight-game losing streak, but right now, the Blues have seven points. Now, they've got a couple of games in hand on pretty much everybody else in the conference. They've played eight games. Colorado and Dallas have played nine, but I don't think anybody has any illusions about chasing Colorado and Dallas, but the Blues do have two games on hand on third-place Arizona, on uh, wild-card teams' current wild card teams uh, like uh, Vancouver and the Kings. Vegas has played three more games than the Blues, but then Anaheim has played 10. They're they're five ahead of the Blues. Winnipeg has played 10. They're three ahead of the Blues. Seattle has played 11. By the way, the Blues have played eight. Uh, Seattle is three points ahead of the Blues. Nashville and Minnesota both have one-point leads on the Blues, but they played two more games. The Blues do need to take advantage of these games that they haven't played yet to get back into this mix because once you fall behind, not every season is going to be like 2018, 2019. Once you fall behind, it's really hard to make up ground. If they just kind of trade wins and losses and they're a 500 team when – Let's say around Christmas time, New Year's. Are are you freaking out about this blue season, or is that just something? You, is that is that kind of taken it in stride? I want them to be a playoff team, and if if they're within four or five points of the playoffs when we get to Christmas, I I'll be fine with that. See, I, I'm I'm looking at it from a different lens, different set of lenses. I I don't think that this team, again, I think they're they're going to work hard, play hard to the best of their ability, but they just may not have everything that is needed to to have the success that they need to win multiple games. That, to me, and and, uh, Army came out and said it was third place in the division. Hope to finish third. I think they have a real view of what this team is and what they are not. Now, if they play out of their minds, yeah, they they can do that, but... I just want to see the consistency. Give me what you what you showed me in those first two periods against Colorado, and I think you'll win more games than you lose. But when you are when you don't show up, like against the Canucks, I think that's a that's a, a bad sign. CD, you'll appreciate this. They can be a playoff team if they listen to their coaches wow. and execute what their coaches say. So you're telling me the coach spends hours upon hours watching film, studying, putting guys in the proper places to make the play. And then the player's job is to go out there, listen to what the coach has said, keep it in his brain, and then go execute the plan that was set forth. Uh-huh. 
And wow. even if you have lesser talent, you can still win. You can still win and compete. That's amazing. That is, I, you know what? Never thought about that. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I tell my kids, you, you, you know, I learned all of this from uh, Football for Dummies, the book I read. Uh-huh. I, I read it, read it once a month. <laughs> Never played. Just just read that book. You're good to go. And you listen to me, I tell you, we can go places. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> do we need a fighter, Matthew? Yeah. We do need a fighter. So you can text in 314-399-9646. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. 314-399-YOHO. Your name and the word fight. And maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio. Brooke is out in Tennessee for the weekend, and we are preparing for the fight. Our fighter today is Hayden. Hayden, how you doing? I'm doing a little worse than you after the Titans lost to the Steelers last night. Oh, hey, I'm doing great. I am doing fantastic. <laughs> last night was a great night for me. Watching my Steelers win on Thursday night. Thursday night in Pittsburgh. I, 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 a slow, night slow game down. in Pittsburgh. If Brooke was here, he she wouldn't be allowing this. Slow, slow your roll. Slow your roll. Slow your roll. sorry to all the slow Titans your roll. fans. You shouldn't have rooted You're not sorry me. at all. I'm not. You're all a liar. Right. That's a lie. <laughs> Hayden, here we go. All right. The Blues are 1-for-28 on the power play so far this season. Which Blues forward scored their only goal? Is it Robert Thomas, Pavel Buchnevich, or Jordan Cairo? Uh, Cairo. There have been nine college football playoffs. How many have not featured Alabama? Is that zero, one, or two? Uh, one. The last time Georgia lost a football game was 2021 to which SEC school? Was it LSU, Alabama, or Auburn? Uh, Let's go uh, LSU. And since the merger in 1970, that's when football started, Kerry, there are only two quarterbacks who have made the Hall of Fame (laughs) without ever throwing a touchdown pass to a Hall of Fame player. Len Dawson is one, but which 80s and 90s star is the other? Was that Dan Fouts, Phil Sims, or Dan Marino? Oh, boy. Uh, let's go uh, Fouts. All right, we will double-check our scores, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Hayden, how you feel? Not great. We're okay. hoping for uh, some more baseball questions. I'm not going to lie. I don't think you had any baseball questions here today. Not a one. Not a one. It's almost <laughs> like Rock knows somehow through osmosis. He knows what the contester, cont- contestant wants to hear, what's, what topics they want to go with, and it never works out that way for him. And so, somehow I always seem to piss off hockey fans the most. <laughs> it happens. Randy is uh, joining us now. Say hello to Hayden. Hayden, good morning. How are you? Doing all right. Not as good as CD after the game last night, but doing all right. I didn't show you all this. Oh, oh Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, there we go. You yeah, duped everybody. us. You had the yeah, black one under it. the Hazelwood. And I just sorry assumed. I just assumed it was all Hazelwood. Closer, closer to my heart. Hey, it's closer oh, to my heart. That's wow. beautiful. <laughs> all right, Randy, you ready? I'm ready, sir. Here we go. Which okay. the Blues scored? Uh, the Blues are one for twenty-eight on the power play so far this season. Which Blues forward scored that only goal? 
I believe that would have been number 25, Jordan Cairo, if I'm not mistaken. There have been nine college football playoffs. How many have not featured Alabama? Alabama. Alabama. Um, they did lose an SEC championship game to LSU the year the Burrow. Uh, but they, I think they might have even played in the championship. I'm just going to take a wild guess and say one. I have no idea, really, but I'm going to go with one. The last time Georgia lost a football game was 2021 to which SEC school? I will go with Alabama. Randy, since the merger in 1970, that's when football began, don't you all know? (laughs) There are only two quarterbacks who have made the Hall of Fame without ever throwing a touchdown pass to a Hall of Fame player. Len Dawson is one, but which 80s, 90s star is the other? I believe... If I'm not mistaken, that it is Brett Favre. I'm going to go with, uh, well, you know what? I should do the lifeline, I guess, since I have it here. Um, I'll do the the lifeline, but he'll probably be on it. Dan Fouts, Hmm? Phil Simms, or Dan Marino? Oh, okay. So Dan Fouts through to Kellen Winslow. Phil Simms. And Dan Marino. Uh, Marino, Duper, Clayton, Nat Moore. They probably traded for one. Hard to imagine that Phil Sims would have had a... Uh, so th- this is a Hall of Famer, not necessarily a Hall of Fame receiver, right? This said this says Hall of Fame player. Okay, Hall of Fame player. Uh, so Phil Sims, he had Joe Morris and Rodney Hampton... Um, when he started, I don't know if he ever threw into Lawrence Taylor or something. Maybe they lined up Taylor as a, a tight on the right side or something. Um, I don't recall a giant that went to the Hall of Fame. I am going to go with... Uh, I'm trying to think of who Marino might have thrown to. This is weird. Duper, Clayton... Uh, Joe Rose. Um, I mean, his running backs were were dealt. Uh, there must have been some Hall of Famer there for as great as those Dolphin teams were, I'm thinking. So I will go with Phil Sims. Probably wrong, but I'll go with Phil Sims. It was a very close fight today. Another one-question win. And it happened in an unexpected fashion, but you're going to have to find out here in a second after I draw this out a little bit longer before you find out what ex- what exactly that unexpected fashion unexpected fashion led to. So, does it lead to a rather Randy Carricker victory here on a Friday, or are we bringing Hayden back on Monday after a weekend and after a victory today? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. <laughs> Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Hayden. Randy Carricker beat you one to nothing today. Oh, dang. (laughs) It was a low-scoring fight. You know what? I like that. It can be fun. But unexpected, I would say. 
I was feeling good when a lot of my answers were the same as his, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, it wasn't go- the case. It goes one way or the other. Uh, when that happens, the Blues are 1-8 on the power play so far this season. Jordan Cairo got the assist. That was both of your guys' answer. Pavel Buchnevich put in the one Ooh, power play Bucci. goal. There have been nine college football playoffs. How many have not featured Alabama? It's two last year and then the 2016 version of the uh, uh, 2017 version, excuse me, uh, of the college football playoff as well. The last time Georgia lost a football game was in 2021 to which SEC school? It was the SEC championship game to Alabama, but they would obviously come come back and get revenge for that loss in just a few weeks in the national championship game. Since the merger in 1970, there are only two quarterbacks who have made the Hall of Fame without ever throwing a touchdown pass to a Hall of Fame player. Len Dawson and Dan Marino. Hmm. Brett, Brett Favre. Favre threw to Randy Moss uh, for one, two touchdown passes in, in Minnesota. If that was what that. about Phil Sims? That was He's not a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Isn't that Hall of Famer? We had a texter who said Len Dawson threw to Otis Taylor, but that would that doesn't really affect the question. That was probably pre But I believe it's pre-merger is why it's not included. Be, be, I haven't in, found... In I haven't opinion, I, before I, football mattered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but a one nothing win for Randy Carragher today in the fight again. Thank you so much to Hayden for joining the fight and joining the show today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Hayden. Coming up next, the Jim Harbaugh, Michigan sign-stealing situation is wild, and we're going to talk about that with Dennis Dodd, our friend from CBSSports.com. Dennis, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. in college football, really compelling this year. Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And we join, uh, we are joined by our friend Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com here on 101 ESPN to talk about Mizzou, Georgia and about what's going on with Jim, Har- Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Dennis Dodd, good morning. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? I listen every morning. Thank you very much. And I I love your latest missive, uh, which is headlined, Once College Football's Upset King, Missouri Seeks Return to Glory, Visiting Reigning Champ Georgia. Number one, we're old enough to remember when Missouri regularly would play top 10, top 20 opponents. It wasn't a top 25 back in the 70s. But I I looked it up, 28 of Missouri's non-conference opponents in the 70s, Dennis, were top 20 teams. That's 28 were ranked 12 were not yeah, that, that's amazing that would never happen these days in a seven-year period missouri played uh 10 top 10 teams there are programs that exist today that have never played one hmm. um there's 133 fbs teams in fact there's probably quite a few missouri, the legacy goes back to the 1940s when don Farrow became coach and ad and had to fix the budget deficit and they had to play a bunch of road guarantee games because Missouri in those days made most of its money through ticket sales for athletics. Um, so the guarantee game, they, they played at Ohio State nine straight years and lost eight of those. So this philosophy extended into the 70s because even then Missouri's budget was based on ticket sales in these guarantee games. So they, they brought them into Columbia. They played, you know, they went on the road and played. And so it wasn't really until Dave Hart arrived as AD and started a donor program that this kind of stopped. But if, if somebody tried to schedule like that today, 
They'd be fired. The AD would be fired. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, Dennis, I, I asked Jim Sterk about that one time, and I used that very stat that I, I gave you. And unfortunately for me, Mizzou was about to play in back-to-back weeks, number one, Alabama, and number two, Georgia. He said, you don't yeah. like playing one and two back-to-back weeks? <laughs> so. Right. Well, that that was a function of, of conference play. Yeah, right. These were yeah. almost all uh, non-conference games. Those of us of a certain age remember – national TV to open the season 1975 at Alabama or at Birmingham Legion Field winning 20 to 7 at a time when there were only two games on uh, a weekend because the NCAA controlled TV and that was Monday, that was a Monday night it was Monday night football at Notre Dame to begin the 78 season how about this you play at Notre Dame to I think this was 78 78 win 3 to nothing Joe Montana defending champions and then I think it was two weeks later at Ohio State and win 22-21. I think that was the Pete Woods game where it they was. got the two-point conversion. Yeah. Dennis, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks that Missouri has everything in front of them. The road to the Final Four is in front of them. National championship possibilities is in front of them. What is the likelihood that they have an opportunity to win this game this weekend? Well, I, th- I think it's a long shot. Um I was at the Georgia-Florida game and saw Georgia live for the first time this year, and they're very, very impressive. Uh, the defense, which has lost, uh, get this, the last three years, Georgia's defense lost 19 draftees, eight in the first round, and they're still really, really good. They, in a, in a seven-minute span against Florida, they had uh, Georgia had a block punt, strip sack, uh, and outscored Florida 23 to nothing. Uh, they just steamrolled Florida. Now, and now they're going to be playing at home against Missouri. Uh, Carson Beck is the number seven passer in the country. You think it's all about defense? He averages over 300 yards per game. And so it's not the superstars that you remember or the names you remember, like Stetson Bennett um, from the past, but they're, they're really, really good. I expect them to play in the, uh, in the national championship game. Dennis Todd of CBS Sports with us on 101 ESPN. The other story that you and the rest of the college football watching public has been following is the sign-stealing scandal at Michigan. And as you wrote the other day, Dennis, and I think it's spot on, if the president of Enron doesn't know anything about the fraud that's taking place at Enron, he's still where the buck stops. And in college football these days, the coach is where the buck stops, whether he knows about it or not, correct? Yeah, uh, there was this thing. There's this thing called the Coach Responsibility Bylaw, which until January, the language read shall be presumed uh, to you know be in charge of the actions of your staff. Blah blah blah. In January, that language was changed. Will be responsible for the actions of your staff. Now you can mitigate that charge by saying, "Hey, I didn't know, or this happened. This guy was a rogue." But the charge sticks to you. It's an NCA violation. <clears throat> it's just a matter of how serious it is. And right now, um, I just talked to someone on the phone. Jim seems to be unaware of it. Now, look, it's a bad, bad look. Um, the coaches are furious in that league. We've read that. The ADs are talking to Commissioner Tony Petiti about doing something. But this is a Rubik's Cube. If you try to suspend hmm. Jim Harbaugh, for any amount because of this in the middle of the investigation, they'd be in court with a temporary restraining order in a heartbeat. I mean, so it, it's a, it's a fine line. You've got to skate, but it does strike right to the integrity 
of, uh, of the game. This is really on-field stuff. Are Michigan's results valid? Dennis, what do you do? And could this have, what could the Big Ten do, NCAA do? And could this have any implications on Michigan and their playoff hopes? Well, uh, the NCAA process is going to take into next year. Um, you know, the, the Big Ten could step in uh, last year, if you guys remember this, in the tunnel uh, flare-up at, Michi- at uh, Michigan, they suspended Michigan State players in the middle of that investigation. Uh, so there is precedent for that. Now, maybe there's a difference between players caught on film swinging helmets and gray area here, but maybe not. Um, you know, uh, the NCAA is not going to get involved. Traditionally, conferences, and especially the Big Ten, doesn't get involved in the middle of it. But the coaches have told Tony Petiti, the commissioner, look, you've got to do something here because we the, the reports say that every team in the league but one was, uh, was spied on. And people should know it's <clears> – <throat> I've got a frog. Mm-hmm. People should know that uh, the NCAA rules say um, – you can't scout future opponents. I didn't know that. Mm. That's been a rule for 30 years. I assumed you could send a GA over to a game with a notebook. Can't even do that. This guy apparently went to games, elaborately filmed their signs, and then disseminated them for Michigan's uh, advantage. Not only that, an elaborate scheme around the country to the point that you saw the picture this week of him standing on the sidelines for Central Michigan's opener against uh, Michigan State. Dennis, we've seen in the past, Jim Harbaugh has been talked about potentially getting some NFL jobs. We've seen in the past coaches leaving universities in shambles and going on to the NFL team and not facing any penalties. Do you think that there could possibly be a penalty for Jim Harbaugh if Michigan receives a penalty and he's no longer there? That's a great point. There was a story uh, on NFL.com this week that I initially missed. I found out about it yesterday that – they had unnamed sources in the NFL saying, you know, he's not necessarily going to get to the NFL without that penalty following him or the NFL suspending him. And there is precedent for that. Uh, Jim Tressel in the, in the uh, tattoo gate situation. And I want to say that was, God, was that 2011 uh, when he was fired at Ohio state was going to go to the Colts and it was conveniently decided he would wait five games. It wasn't called in a suspension, but that's what it was before he joined the Colts. Um, so according to that story, any suspension or a suspension would follow him to the NFL. Now, I've been told by legal sources that, that that would be a problem to enforce that because the NFL hadn't done an investigation. Right. It would be arbitrary. So, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I think it's on the table. Dennis, do you think that with Michigan's self-styled reputation, uh, kind of a, I will say, well, I will say holier than thou, can they seriously think that they can keep Jim Harbaugh with everything that's surrounding him and still maintain that reputation? Critical, doesn't it? Um, Because even Jim Harbaugh, I think this summer, you know, we do things the right way, and this is in the middle of him again, in the middle of an investigation for major violations, lying to NCA investigators about level two violations, ticky-tack violations of uh, rec- bringing in recruits during COVID, um, weren't even major violations, but, uh, you know, the cover-up is always worse than the crime. I can't remember a major college coach having parallel investigations where possibly two major 
violations are involved. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think Michigan can stand on that uh, on that soapbox anymore. But look, can anybody? It's just that, uh, you know, if you, if you do look at this, Randy, without Jim Harbaugh, without Michigan, without the Big Ten, without a national championship at stake, you know, it, it's relatively minor. But when you throw in those names and the fact that this guy was a paid staffer and apparently, according to reports, had this elaborate scheme of scouting all over the country, then it becomes a thing. You know, we're to the point, like I said, where the Big Ten coaches are really, really upset. And I would have to think that Ohio State is really chuckling. Yeah, they're ch- Yeah, you better believe they're <laughs> chuckling. And they and and someone pointed out yesterday they're more than chuckling. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh, his job was in. I guess he was on the hot seat at the end of two thousand twenty during COVID. They went two and four. And what's happened since then? Uh, Michigan's boat raced Ohio State twice, won two back-to-back Big Ten titles, and gone to the playoff. Coincidence or not? <laughs> very, mm. very mm. valid question. Dennis, yeah. uh, have a great weekend. What game do you have this weekend? I am in Alabama right now for LSU Alabama. That'll be awesome. Have a great yeah. time. We'll be reading your great work at CBSSports.com. Always great to hear your voice. And uh, we don't mind you being at LSU Alabama tomorrow as the Blues take on the Canadians. The Blues are not yet must-see TV. <laughs> no, they're not. But at least they're not the Sharks, right? It could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> See you, Dennis. Take care. All right. Later. <laughs> See you later. Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com, one of our favorites. A, a native of the, the area. He's uh, from the from the east side, lives in Kansas City now, and does great work at uh, at CBSSports.com. Coming up next, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Carrie won a bet last night. We'll tell you about that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. In St. Louis, time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is out today visiting family in Tennessee over the course of the weekend. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker. But even though Brooke isn't in studio with us, she did pay attention to the Steelers' 2016 victory over the Titans last night. And our partner, Brooke Grimsley, is with us now here on 101 ESPN because she wanted to discuss last night's game with Carrie Davis. Good morning, Brooke. How you doing? Uh, good morning, guys. <laughs> Who's this on the line? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I was hey, maybe you guys would forget about it. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I, I was looking at this rundown, and yeah, you know, uh, the Steelers, what happened? I, I, I was so tired, I, I couldn't I couldn't even finish the game. I was I was just so fatigued from work and practice. I, what happened, Brooke? Do you remember? Do you know what happened? Uh, Speedy, come on. You know what happened. Don't <laughs> you didn't stay up and watch so that you could see if you had to wear a Titans jersey or uh, not. I was sweating a little bit. I was a little worried. Just a little yeah. bit. Well, yeah. Well, 
the Titans did not win, obviously, oh, last night. There shoot. were some chances. Now, I will say, guys, Will Levis did look pretty good. So I'm very impressed by that. But it seemed like it was still kind of the conservative offensive mindset that they've had with Ryan Tannehill. I thought they would do something a little bit different and a little frustrated with the defense there. But it was very Titans-esque. So when you guys were talking about the history of the Titans yesterday, I it felt – all that coming together in that moment yesterday. Yeah, I thought Will Levis did play really well. He only threw one interception, had like 260 yards passing, no touchdowns. But for a rookie going into that environment against that defense, I thought he played really well. But that's also why I thought Pittsburgh Pittsburgh would win was because they had the better defense and he is a rookie playing in only his second game. I was thrilled to see the Steelers play in the manner in which they did. And offensively, finally, Put some points on the board. Man, it was whew, that first drive. I, you, you should see the sigh of relief that I had when they scored on the opening drive. What is that? What are they doing going down the field and, and scoring? Nonetheless, it was it was a good game by Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I texted you guys, too, at the, the very first, like, Titans drive. What was it, like, 45 yards and penalties that they were gifted, and they had to settle for a field goal? I knew that it was going to be a long evening after that happened. But either way, congratulations, Speedy. And, hey, my other bet, it looks like I won't have to do the mayo and the coffee. So there's yes. a little bit of a benefit in this for me. They actually said... On the on the broadcast last night, that Will Levis may have been just joking when he said that he doesn't <laughs> actually drink mayo, uh, drink coffee with mayo. I, I thought that was intriguing. I don't know. We'll we'll see what Levis Will Levis actually does. But you don't have to drink the mayo in your coffee, but you do have to wear a Steelers. You want to wear the jersey? You can only wear it for you can wear it for one hour if you. You don't have to wear it the entire show. I, I'll uh, I'll give you uh, a, a you can you can your choice is a Steelers shirt. You want to wear a jersey? You you pick. Your choice. Okay. Does it matter? So only an hour either way. If one I hour. pick one. Yep. It's not bad. He's, he's giving you a pretty good deal here, Brooke. He's giving you a break. Okay. I kind of do want to wear the jersey. Okay. That feels, that feels special. And, and here's the thing. Yesterday when I came here to town, my dad was listening to the show, and he had a Y-Check jersey and an Eddie George jersey Ooh. ready to go just in case if the Titans would have won. Thank you, Mr. Grimsley. I greatly appreciate it. Glad I don't have to wear it, but thank you anyways. <laughs> one other thing, and this is important, because last night you also texted us a delicious-looking picture of the sukiyaki that you had for dinner. Uh, what's in sukiyaki, and how was it? Oh, the sukiyaki is a staple in the Grimsley household. So it's a traditional Japanese dish, and it's just kind of like a meat dish, so like a beef dish with clear noodles and then tofu and different things like that, and you put it over rice. It's amazing, especially I prefer sukiyaki over chili this time of year when it starts to get colder. So my dad made it, and it's a nice traditional Japanese dish. And I know that we're trying to get some Japanese pictures, so <laughs> maybe I bring some sukiyaki back to St. Louis, and that will help. That's a smart play. Uh, Brooke Grimsley, have a great weekend in Tennessee. You're great sports. Thanks for the time, and we'll see you Monday morning. All right. Thank you, guys. Take it easy. That's our friend Brooke Grimsley, our partner here on the opening drive. So the Steelers and uh, Kerry Davis come away with a victory last night. Pittsburgh, Kerry uh, bet on here the we go. Steelers. Oh, honey, and so CD would have had to wear some sort of Titans gear, a Y check. 
perhaps? Would you? Would I would you, have preferred the Eddie George jersey. Okay, you, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, running back, Frank okay. Wycheck is he's cool, but you know, Eddie George was was the guy. Yeah, he was. I, I, he had a pretty good game against Illinois one time. He probably did. I think he ran like yeah, what forty something Randy, times yeah, for yeah, two seventy five. Sure. You something. know who had a really good Ron Dane used to tear oh, us yeah. apart. <laughs> right before I got there, not that I would have stopped him. I played offense. I didn't have anything to do with it. He, I, I got stories from friends. They played the they played them the year before I got there, and it was like a hundred and. 15 offensive plays and like 70 runs, 80 runs by Wisconsin. <laughs> it was absurd. They were like, well, all right, we were, we were done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find this game. Hold on here one second here by Eddie George. Uh, by the way, Mizzou has the college football game of the weekend. They take on Number two, Georgia, tomorrow. It's the famous 2.30 slot, the 2.30 window on CBS. I, um, good for them. They Dennis Dodd said he doesn't believe that they have much of an opportunity. Georgia is a machine. They have not lost in a few years. They have been just running through the SEC, running through any off, um, you know, team, any team that they're playing. It's been pretty exciting to watch them play. Mizzou has a chance if you look at based off of what they did last year when they actually should have won that game, lost twenty six to twenty two, had an opportunity, had a couple of opportunities to put more points on the board. I don't know if it's going to be that way for them this year. I think Georgia's going to be dialed in, locked in. But if Missouri doesn't turn the football over and takes advantage of some of the mistakes that Georgia may make, you may have an opportunity. Uh, By the way, it was 1995 that Eddie George against Illinois ran up a 314-yard game. 314? Was that his Heisman year? Yes, it was. I'm sure it was. Yeah. You know who else we helped uh, get in the Heisman race my uh, my sophomore year, junior year? Is Larry Johnson rushed oh, for like 260-some yards and had an 80-yarder call back, had like another 40-yarder call back. I'm on the sideline like, anybody, tackle the man, please. He was a man among boys. Oh, Larry Johnson was uh, was the real deal. He was a stud. Yeah, he was. He was really good. So uh, we, we don't have anybody like that in college football right now, but tomorrow you'll be able to see not only Mizzou and Georgia, but the night game is LSU and Alabama. That'll be great. You also have, at that same time, the Oregon-USC game. So a lot of good college football tomorrow. On Sunday, we have a great triple header. Let me tell you about our doubleheader uh, tomorrow. Texas and K-State is our football game, pregame at 10.30, and then the Blues and Canadians pregame at 5 tomorrow, early pregame for the Blues and the Canadians. And then the triple header on Sunday, Packers and Rams, that'll be a thriller, pregame at 11 o'clock. Raiders and, jo- and by the way, you might see Brett Rippon. You might see a Jordan Love versus Brett Rippon matchup <laughs> oh, on, for man. the Packers and Rams. Uh, and then the, the Raiders. No. no. <laughs> yeah. And then the, you, let's step it up a notch, Raiders and Giants <laughs> for the 3 Five game. Randy. Raiders with their first game under Antonio Pierce against the, the vaunted Giants. So uh, Anthony Stalter and I are doing our podcast, Gridiron Guys, you can mm-hmm. check it out. Um, we were talking about the, the games for this week, and I said, Anthony, this is like one of the worst game, set of matchups throughout the entire league mm-hmm. this week. He's like, no, it's not that bad. Then we started running down the games. He's like, actually, it might be yeah. that bad. You got Minnesota and Atlanta. Minnesota's down a quarterback. You got Arizona and Cleveland. I don't know who the hell's starting for Both either down team. down quarterback. <laughs> Clayton <laughs> Toon. Clayton, Clayton Toon against... Um, I, who knows? Is, it, is, is Walker still going? I don't know if it's P.J. Walker. I don't know if it's DTR. I'm pretty sure it's not Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I don't know. You got the Bears in New Orleans. New Orleans, I don't know if they want to score. I don't know what they want to do offensively. You got Vegas and New York Giants. Right here on 101 ESPN, baby. Oh, dial in, baby. Watch it. Listen. Be careful if you're driving around. We don't (laughs) want anybody falling asleep at the wheel. (laughs) 
Washington and New England. <laughs> oh man, it's a, it's a rough slate. But you do have Miami and Kansas City. That that and that the keeps night game, you, night game uh, Bengals and Bills. Night game Bengals and Bills, and then you got the the Cowboys and the Eagles, which is going to be a good game as well. That'll be yeah. yeah. So they, they hopefully Eagles. they keep it up. E A G L E S. We had a Monday night game of New York and New York Jets and the Chargers. Yeah, uh, I know Joe Buck is listening. Good luck sorry, to those sorry guys. about that. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> At least the World Series is over. Right, record low viewership for the World Series. Why? Joe Buck leaves. Nobody wants to. Uh, yeah. Nobody wants to watch the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks or the Rangers, two traditionally uh, moderate national, ah, small national fan bases. So uh, yeah, low, record low ratings for that. But they still drew almost ten million viewers, so it wasn't so bad. There's your rush hour reset on 101 ESPN. Thanks to Brooke Grimsley for joining us. Coming up next, we're going to talk to our buddy Joe Vitale here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Joey Vitale views things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. This is The View from Vitale. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company. A proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Vitaly at our station, you know that he loves people, whether it's doing hits with us or being on the games. He, he just loves people. And last night, uh, Joey and John Kelly and a couple of members of St. Louis City SC were over at the Ritz-Carlton for the Friends of Kids with Cancer fashion show. And Joey was so sensational with those kids. And it was really an amazing night. And one youngster in particular stole everybody's hearts. Uh, Joey V is with us now on 101 ESPN. And Joe, it was great to talk to you last night. And again, you did a fantastic job of walking the runway. You should be at the Met Gala someday. Uh, <laughs> Randy, good morning, first and foremost. You know, I, I, I can't believe they couldn't find anyone better looking than me to help out. Uh, but, you know, it was great seeing you last night. And you did a heck of a job being the MC and kind of rallying the troops at the beginning. And and you know what? I, I've never participated in that fashion show. One of my one of my dearest good friends, Christy Hubble, she's on the board, and she was one of the, the few great people that put this whole show together. It starts way back in June. They get to organize and try to get you know sponsorships and try to get the athletes, and and not to mention it's just uh, sometimes it's difficult to put together the the kids that are willing and able or healthy enough. A lot of times, kids have to back out of this thing, but you know, to walk the runway with, with the real stars of the show, the, the, the children was just something I'll never, ever forget. And it was just a wonderful night. And boy, did they raise some good money or what? Oh man, it was tremendous. And we should point out that there was a five-year-old, uh, the, the most loquacious five-year-old I've ever run across named Zoe, who sang shine bright like a diamond in its entirety. Oh, nice. Uh, in, in her first appearance, <laughs> she also took the microphone at one point and said, thanks for coming to my fashion yeah. show. Yes, yes. <laughs> she, she was, gets it. And then uh, the last couple of times she went out, she was with Joey. Uh, she was amazing. Oh, she was she was terrific. We went out in the final run together, and she said, "You want to go out?" And I said, "I'll be honest with you, Zoe. I'm I'm, I'm a little nervous. I, I get a little stage fright in front of people." And then, of course, the, the lady she was with started laughing because she's like, "Oh my God, stop! You're on the radio. You're in front of people all the time." And I said, "Zoe, I, I got a secret for you. I'm really nervous. I don't think I could do this. Will you help me?" She goes. I got you. I got Aww. you. And she just kind of grabbed my hand, and uh, she's like, you, you don't need to be afraid. I'm here with you. I'm like, oh, my God, awesome. And awesome. Uh, you, you use the word loquacious. I, you could not have found a better word, Raina character, for that child right there because she was certainly – 
Um, just an amazing spirit and uh, an infectious one to the point where you can't be around her for, for more than two minutes and not become a better human just, just by being in her presence. No doubt. Joey, we had Robert Thomas on earlier today, and he said he has never had a cup of coffee. I'm on my second cup today. How, how many cups of coffee does Joey V have in a day? I just took a sip of my cup of coffee. Yes. Here, I, I swear to you. <laughs> I, 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 I did, man. I love. Uh, I tell you what, uh, mister, I, I'm about <laughs> – 12 to 13 cups of coffee a day right now. I am am working. Well, I shouldn't say cups. Let's not go cups. I'm talking shot. I consider a shot of espresso a serving, right? So if you get. (laughs) That's still a lot of shots. If you get, if, if people are like, I'll get a grande Starbucks coffee with a double shot. Okay. Okay. You're talking like that's two servings, just the coffee. And then you get double. That's technically four. So that's like a four, like espresso serving technically. Okay. So that's what I mean when I say 12. Like I go to my favorite coffee shop here in Kirkwood. Uh, it's Taleo. It's the most amazing coffee shop. It's run by a, a woman named Olivia. They've been up for a few years. And, and I'll go in there and I, and I get a small cup. And I always sometimes ask for one extra shot. So that's like two servings. But I tell you what, buddy, I, I'm, I'm like a, a 10, 10 serving a day, at least four cups a day. Because uh, it, it's like it's like gasoline for me. It's like fuel. It's like there's no way I can there's no way I can get motivated in the morning without it. And, and my kids all know they they say this. I tell them all the time. You know, guys, there's only a few things Daddy loves in this world. And, and what what are they? And they go, We know, Dad, pasta, coffee, and red wine. And I said, And donuts. And don't forget my donuts. I said, I donuts. I. So they know um, they know it's important to me. And uh, there is just something when I'm having a rough day or a rough morning or I'm tired or the kids are all over the map. But once I take a sip of coffee, there's just something uh, amazing about just that first sip. And uh, there's actually something uh, to do with just the warmth of the coffee in general, what, what it does to human beings. It kind of opens them up here a little bit. So long story short, uh, I'm drinking some now. I'll be drinking some all the way up until puck drop tonight at 7 o'clock. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite donut spot in town? That's a great question, uh, Randy Carricker, and that that's that's a tough debate. Uh, I love Strange; it's in Kirkwood, mm-hmm. and they do a very decent job. Uh, but I think that the Donut Drive-In off Chippewa, I think that is my my, my go-to. It's a small little shop. Have you guys ever been to that one? I have. It's delicious. It's it's amazing. It's very uh, an unassuming place. It's nothing flashy about it. It's literally just this little hut. And uh, you, you, we go in there. I had good memories of going there with my dad and picking up a dozen donuts as a kid. And, uh, I, I tell you what, it, 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 there's not a bad donut in my, in my mind, but I would say donut driving's got to be up there. All right, Joe, I think we're contractually obligated to talk about hockey with you. <laughs> so what do we need to do? What's going on? <laughs> I, was, I was hoping, hockey, I was hoping we could do this whole hit without me having to answer any hockey questions. <laughs> you know, I, I felt like, you know, I, you know, the hockey players, you know, they, they come off the ice and after a game and, you know, it's been a tough stretch for this team. And, and one of the things a lot of players do, the media, the media can come in, I think it's like a, a five or six minutes after the last person comes in. So there's a little bit of a lag time. So th- these are the games where the players would come in and just strip down really quickly and just get the heck out. They don't want to have to answer any questions. I feel like I'm the same way. You know, um, I tell you what, Carrots, it's, it's been, it's been a tough go for the last few, I'd say, you know, you go to that road trip and you only take one out of the three there and then you come back and you, get a little bit of reset, Halloween reset, and you go out to Colorado and you get you get bumped a little bit in Colorado. So you really you drop the last three out of four, which is not certainly not good. Uh, that's the bad. The good, and I was talking to Braden Shen about this after we were returning from Colorado on our flight, 
you know, and he said, what do you think, Joe? And I said, honestly, I, I, you may think I'm crazy, but I don't think you guys are that far off. He said, he, and he said, I, I don't think we're that far off either. And then we kind of went through the game. We kind of broke it down. I mean, the Blues had three grade-A chances right off the hop. None of them converted. Let's say one or two of those goes in. Maybe it's a completely different game. You know, uh, you go you go to the Winnipeg Jets game. I mean, you pull their goalie. Maybe a different bounce goes in, and, and you get fortunate. Maybe one of those two Jordan Tyroo breakaways in Winnipeg goes in, and it's a different game. Uh, my point is, yes, it may look a little grim on paper, but if you really watch this team, they're not that far off. They've had quality chances early in games. They just haven't converted yet. you got players like Braden Shen still looking for his first goal. you got Jordan Cairo, who scored 37 last year with only one this year. It's going to come. It's going to catch. And they're very, very close, and they're getting chances. That's the most important thing. Uh, but the other thing I would say, and, and there's just no, no women about it, and there's no uh, confusing this, is – the power play just has to improve. If you want to play a a tough uh, defending style and you want to be patient and you want to box it up, which is what they want to do, which is perfect. You know, if you play that style, you're you're going to have limited chances five on five. You're not, you're not going to go up and down the ice and, and, and score six goals, five on five. It just won't happen with the system you have. So how do you win games? You have to play tight defensively. You have to work to earn penalties. And when you get those penalties, we all know it, guys. You've got to take advantage. If you get four penalties tonight against the New Jersey Devils, one of those four, you've got to get a power play goal. If you get six penalties, maybe two out of six. You've got to figure out a way to keep these low-scoring games low-scoring, but you have to convert and take care of the power play in order for you to find some success and start piling up some wins. Okay, last thing for Joe Vitale, who runs every Friday morning and uh, was going to sleep in a little bit but still get the run in this morning. Uh, this is a pretty cool, I would think, for a runner, this is a pretty good – Temperature. What's the most exhilarating temperature range for you to run in? I tell you what, this is ideal. You're right, Randy. This is about ideal as it gets. I, I want to run where after about 20 minutes, I'm starting to sweat a little bit, but it's just cool enough where you're not completely leaking, right? I mean, that, that's, where, that's where it's at. And you know what? As, as it gets colder and colder, our Friday runs, man, it's, it's tough to get up and move it in the morning. We're showing up, and it's like 15 degrees outside, but – I tell you what, that that group they're they're as loyal as it gets, and um, they're uh, they're the group that pushes me out in the morning. And but I will say, some, some nights like last night, maybe overindulged a little much. Let's just say on the uh, the liquor side of things, uh, I wouldn't have minded a good hundred degree morning with it. I would have wore two sweaters <laughs> just to really sweat it out. <laughs> oh, that's a it wouldn't have been a bad idea, but you are where you are right now. Hey, have a great weekend. Enjoy the games tonight and tomorrow night against Montreal. And we will talk to you next week, but see you, see you before that, Joey V. Thanks. That sounds good, Randy. Great job again last night. And Kerry, you guys have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Joey V. with us on 101 ESPN. We were talking last night. Uh, Joey's reading a book right now about how one, when they speak to somebody else, makes other people feel. And Joe Vitale is one of those guys that when you talk to him, he makes you feel like you're the most important person on earth. Joey V, I would love to do a, a podcast, just a, an interview of, of Joey V, because he has so much of he, he You know, the commercial is the most interesting man in the world. Joey V could fit that bill. Like, he could be in that commercial because you don't know. He knows everything. Yeah, Seems he like he he just he, what do you go about? And I know this, and it's it's intriguing to hear him talk about everything. I, I love having him on. I think he's the most curious person yeah. I know. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN. Is there a point where the Blues should move from retool to rebuild? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Yeah, I think a couple things. I think, uh, you know, first of all, I think scoring obviously has been an issue so far this year, but, 
you look at historically with our team, we've never really had a problem scoring. It's more so taking care of our own end. So I think that's just, that's one big positive to take out of all this is, um, you know, the scoring's going to come. The chances are there. It's just not going in. And um, at least we're doing enough defensively to, to kind of keep ourselves in these games that, you know, when the scoring comes, they're going to have success. Um, I think that's... Uh, one big positive to, to take all of it. And also at the same time, I think the, you know, games we won, uh, we've played such a, such a strong game. Um, and, you know, we, we've been able to do it. And uh, I think that's another thing. We just need that consistency of doing that every night. That's Blues forward Robert Thomas earlier in the opening drive on 101 ESPN. He thinks that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Kerry, it's interesting. The Blues have played eight games. Mm-hmm. Every other NHL team, every other one of the of the other teams has played more than eight games. So the Blues' inconsistency is still rather young. San Jose has played 10 games, and they have one point. Calgary has played 10 games, and they have five points. Edmonton has played nine games, and they have five points. The Blackhawks have played nine games. They have six points. The Blues have seven in their eight games played. And then Minnesota's a point ahead of the Blues. Nashville's a point ahead of the Blues. Both of those teams have played 10 games. So, for those that have the idea, and I I can't say that I have been 100% against the idea of turning this retool into a rebuild. It's pretty early to do that. I I agree with that. I think it is still early, but I think you come to a point where if the Blues, we saw what last year looked like, right? We saw the inconsistent play. We saw the win streaks, then we saw the losing streaks, and then we saw a team that when they got down maybe didn't have as much fight as you would have liked to have seen. At some point, if it continues in this manner where you're just not winning games, enough games, or looking good enough. You, you're going to have to make a decision. And I don't know what that rebuild would look consist of, who it would be, uh, who would be moving along and who would be staying. I think that's a, a really good question that would have to be asked. I don't, and I don't know if it happens this year, but maybe at the end of this year, if it's still kind of going in the same direction, you have to, you have to pose that question for, well, the, for the Blues. And let's think about this uh, a little. Let's stretch it out to the trade deadline because that's when people make trades, okay? Okay. So, who do the Blues have that they could send to another franchise that would help that franchise win a Stanley Cup? That's the question. Last year, the Rangers thought, we've added Vladimir Tarasenko. We think that we can win a cup. The uh, uh, the Leafs, they they want the final piece of the puzzle. They get Ryan O'Reilly right. thinking, okay, we can get a, win a Stanley Cup. Do you trade for Tory Krug thinking you can win a cup and take on the last three years of Krug's contract? Do you trade for Justin Falk? Right. Is he the last piece? I'm not suggesting any of these are even a possibility. But if you're another franchise, do you take on the last three or four years of Braden Shen's contract to take a shot at a Stanley Cup this year? The Blues don't have, I don't think, any unrestricted free agents yep. coming up that are big money guys. So if that were the desire to turn this into a rebuild I'm trying to think of the teams that it's would be need. a long process, right? Yeah. yeah, because who's going to go get that player and the remaining years on the contract? Part of part of a trade, the anatomy of a trade is a player that another team wants, a team, a player mm-hmm. that plays well enough that they say, "Yeah, that's the missing piece. That's the guy that we want." If you have a team that isn't performing well or to the standard to be good enough here, other teams aren't, aren't just going to say, "Yeah, we'll take them off your hands." We don't. I, we know you don't want them. We'll take them. Mm-hmm. That's not how trades work, and that's not how you know professional sports work. So I think, I, I think the Blues have enough here. I've said this for a while now. I don't know if they have the superstar player here on this roster currently, because if they were, I think Jordan Cairo has the potential mm-hmm. to be a superstar player. 
He's not, they all got to shoot more though. Right. They, right. They're, they're not scoring enough goals, which is frustrating. Which is obviously you don't score, you don't win. So uh, that's part of it. But I think Jordan Kyrou can be a a superstar. I think Robert Thomas has that ability. It's just we're still waiting on it to come out, and it hasn't happened yet. This team needs guys that you know are going to score goals, that are going to play both ends of the other other rink and and do their job consistently. And they haven't had that yet in these eight games. And their most talented guy is Buchnevich, and he hasn't risen to that level yet either. Meanwhile, Joe Vitale also had a conversation about whether or not this Blues edition can be better than they've been so far. I was talking to Braden Shen about this after we were returning from Colorado on our flight, you know, and he said, what do you think, Joe? And I said, honestly, you may think I'm crazy, but I don't think you guys are that far off. And he said, I don't think we're that far off either. And then we kind of went through the game. We kind of broke it down. I mean, the Blues had three grade-A chances right off the hop. None of them converted. Let's say one or two of those goes in. Maybe it's a completely different game. You know, uh, you go you go to the Winnipeg Jets game. I mean, you pull a goalie. Maybe a different bounce goes in and, and you get fortunate. Maybe one of those two Jordan Tyroo breakaways in Winnipeg goes in, and it's a different game. Uh, my point is, yes, it may look a little grim on paper, but if you really watch this team, they're not that far off. So these are people that have played the sport, that are playing the sport, that don't think they're that far off. Not from being a Stanley Cup champion, but from being a team capable of finishing third in their division. That's why if I'm in the shoes of Doug Armstrong right now with what we talked about, what you have to trade to try to go into a full rebuild rather than a retool, I think that's a foolish maneuver at this stage because I don't think the Blues, A, have the, the assets to move that other teams would want, and B, I don't think they're that far off either. I think my question would be the the inconsistency in terms of play really well, then play poorly. Play really well, play poorly. You talk about that Flames game, they played really well, but then they go out on that Friday night Vancouver. against Vancouver and just whew, lay an egg. And my question is, good teams – don't have those that high or that low. They they are more even killed. They are more consistent. And then you you play against the Avalanche where you do play well, but you still lose. That to me is a that's the question that I have. Which team is going to show up? Is it going to be the team that gives you great effort for three periods, or is it going to be the team that shows up against the Vancouver Canucks and says, ah, we're gonna we had a saying <laughs> that 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 always sticks in my mind. Don't let go of the rope. Right. right when yep. you're when you're it's like you you hold on to that rope as long as you can when you let go you've given up like you're, you're gonna fall to your death you're not gonna you're not gonna make it. as long as you're holding on to the rope you anything can happen this team needs to hold on to the rope longer than they have just hold keep holding on next play if it didn't happen this play next shift it can happen but if they let go of the rope it will never happen and everybody needs to be accountable you, you can expect a player to hold everybody accountable but you can hold somebody accountable and they still aren't. Yeah. Players need to be accountable on a night-to-night basis, whether that accountability request comes from Braden Shen or Colton Pareko or Justin Falk or Robert Thomas or Craig Berube or whomever. The players, and you say this more than anybody, ultimately it's the players who have yes. to be accountable to themselves. And as a teammate, Again, I care more about what the man next to me thinks than what the man on the bench thinks in terms of coaches, the man that is sitting there calling plays or that is, you know, doing the game plan. I I, I respect those guys, but I respect my teammates more. I'm not going to let my teammates down. I'm going to give everything I got because I know they are giving everything they have. And so 
When you have a team with that mindset, you tend to win more games, and those teams win championships. You had you had great players, accountable teammates, teams that are working hard and not letting go on the rope. Those are the teams that win championships. Blues opening a four-game homestand tonight, 6 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN as they take on the Devils. Canadians in town tomorrow for an early start, 5 o'clock pregame, 6 o'clock faceoff with Curbs and Joey here on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to head down the stretch of this week here on the opening drive with Rock and Roll. Stick around. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. We've got a balloon party coming up. T-Mac and Ajax followed by BK and Ferrario. And then the fast lane from two to six before Blues Hockey tonight. Here on 101 ESPN. Don't forget, throughout the course of the day, you can watch our Air Alliance Team Studio Cams. Just go to YouTube and uh, search out 101 ESPN STL and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, too. It's a pretty good thing to have. Uh, Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, Randy, we're going to get to the betting slip really quickly, but I needed to bring up something that happened last night, and that was the Phoenix Suns fell down by 20 points at one point to the San Antonio Spurs, and then they roared all the way back and you're thinking wow a team with this kind of talent going against a team with the spurs not very good a lot of young players surely the suns are going to finish this one off well then you're not paying attention to the fact that a uh, a giant a unicorn whatever you want to say lives among us and his name is victor Wembem yama and at one point at seven foot four he faked a three-pointer did a sidestep dribble and then cashed a three-pointer from the top of the arc to take the lead, which the Spurs would never give up, and win the game after giving up the 20-point lead. They would beat the, the Suns 132 to 121 behind an absolutely incredible game from Victor Wembanyama. He went 15 to 26 from the floor with for 38 points. He added 10 rebounds, two two assists, one steal, two blocks. He became the first player since Shaquille O'Neal to n- notch 100 points and 10 blocks in his first five games. It has been since 1993 since that happened. He's absolutely unbelievable, and the NBA does not know what to do with this guy, Kerry. Uh, he is a, a large human being, if you can call him that. Um, no, you can't. No, I, don't, I don't think it should be legally allowed. He, he, he kind of praying mantis is yes, what, that's a good what I get from him. Long arms, long legs. It's like he's everywhere. I was watching him just move on defense, and it's like, how the hell do you get around like, him? How do you shoot he, over him? What do you do? Like a, of a, if a baby deer was the size of a full-grown elephant. Okay. I made more giraffe. More baby, baby giraffe. Okay, baby giraffe, yeah. but he was the size of an already full-grown elephant he's while a, he was doing he's, it. He's a huge human being, and, and it's fun to watch. I'm, I don't know. Are you concerned about the, the Suns? No. I know they've had some guys injured. Uh, Booker has mm. missed some games. I don't know if Bill has even played yet. No. Uh, no. But they are – They are. I don't like that. They're bad defensively right now. That's not great. No. Jordan Goodwin was minus 13 last night. He was a team worst minus 13. Not great. He was. And they're not a good defensive team right now because uh, Yusuf Nurkic Are they is ever going to be a good defensive team? When KD tries, they will be. See, whenever you use, whenever you say if and when, it gives just, me, it scares like, me. You were a Warriors fan when KD was on that team, and you know, you know as well as anybody. I know when they KD, didn't have to play defense. When KD they didn't tries, but but even in the moments when KD decided, I'm going to try as a small ball five, they would wreck teams. They Are would you, stop teams defensively. The Warriors were, and then they'd kill them on the other end. When KD decides that I'm not going to let Wembenyana just rip by me for an easy dunk, that'll be a different Suns team. Are you concerned with Devin Booker, KD, and Bradley Beal? Def- and Nurkic defensively. Yes. As a whole. Yes. Okay, good. 
Me you too. have to be because Booker's Booker's not. He's, not Booker's never. Gonna, he's never nope. going to lock down the top one or two. Nope. Um, Durant again is, is is a is a good defender when he wants to, but he's also thirty five. And Bradley Bill is going to be the third scorer on that team, so he's going to be frustrated. I, I'm <laughs> you don't telling think he's going to channel that no, into defense? Man. Oh no, Shocking. this man is a scorer. And when you put three stars on the team, somebody ain't getting the shots. I don't know. Maybe people don't watch history. Maybe they don't pay attention mm-hmm. to so what how it all plays look at, out. Look at the, look at Chris the Eagles. Bosch yeah. had to take had to take a back seat. Change his game. Clay Clay Thompson had to take a back seat when KD arrived. It's just part of the game. That Not team, enough. It's only one yeah. basketball. That team is going to wind up playing better defense. Frank Vogel always winds up with the uh, defense. And that's the thing you mentioned. We mentioned Chris Bosh with the Heat, and we mentioned Clay Thompson with the Warriors. Mm-hmm. The reason why that worked is because Chris Bosh changed who he was, became a better three-point shooter, but also became a much more dogged defender than he had ever been in Toronto. Clay Thompson was he already a, a good choice. Exactly. Clay Thompson was already a good defender before Katie got there, but it just accentuated the fact of Katie. If you can't score, you are our best perimeter defender. Go out and do. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's not really that there's not no a track for record for Beal to be saying you can now be a you know great defender even if you're not getting the offensive um heft. That's what, not there for Beal in his history. What about the Milwaukee Bucks? They'll be, they'll be fine. You think? How are you gonna worry about the Bucks? Hey guys, they took two tough losses. I know they look great. It's, at all. They're gonna take a minute to get used to not having Drew Holiday on they, defense. But other nope. than that, they're gonna be fine. I don't like it. You know, the Hawks and Raptors. Did, did you watch Dame put up 30, like 30, 39, 39 in, the first in, the game? in his first game? Come on. Yeah. Come on now. It was ridiculous. Anyway, I, I need some bets from you guys here. I, we talked about a little bit earlier about the NFL weekend slate. There's some big games. There's some good games, and I want to focus on those ones. Seahawks at the Ravens. The Ravens are giving up 5.5 points. Is it over under a 44.5? I still haven't seen DK Metcalf break out. I haven't seen Geno Smith have the year that he had last year. Uh-oh. I don't think that they're going to score. The Seahawks are going to score much in Baltimore. And I think that the Ra- the Ravens are still ascending. I like the Ravens to cover that five. I- I'm going Ravens as well, but I'm going to go under on the 44 points. I can 44 see and a half, yeah? Yeah, I can, well, I can see it being, you know, 28 to 10. All right, I like I that I think one. that's a good score. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys have a – are you feeling anything out of Frankfurt, Germany? It's only it's only a one and a half spread. Not Essentially, a it's a pick 'em. The Chiefs are giving up the yeah. points. Dolphins getting them fifty point five over under. I wouldn't. I, I those games are so hard to 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 bet on and try to figure out. The again, the grass might not be up to par. You're playing in a in a different country, different time. Everything is changed. So if you could give me a prop on Tyreek Hill going a hundred yards in a touchdown, I would take that. I'll find that prop, okay. prop here in a second because here's the other one I want to see. Also, almost to pick them, Bills at Bangles. Bangles giving up the point and a half Buff over like under 49 and a half. Right now, you can get the Buffalo Bills plus 108, and you can get the Bengals minus 126 on the money line. We're going Bengals. You're going Bengals? No question. Well, I, I Listen, I've seen enough of Josh Allen to know, and I've seen enough of Joe Burrow to know. I know Joe Burrow is going to. Just take away what you saw the first three weeks. Act like it didn't happen. The man was not healthy. He's healthy now. Scratch those first three weeks and go forward from that point on. I think that uh, I'm with you. It's going to be a manic Monday (laughs) for the Bills as they fall (laughs) to the Bengals. And I'm looking away from Missouri-Georgia because I got too much heart in that one. It's a 15-and-a-half point spread. I don't know why. Also that factor. I don't know why. 15-and-a-half points. Can we take Georgia? Fine. Thank you. Take Georgia. That's no, I would, I would take Mizzou, you, you to, take cover. Mizzou to cover. I, I'm going to take Mizzou to pl- keep it within 15 and a half. You think so? Mm-hmm. 
No, well, we'll be on the opposite ends of that one. Okay. Let's don't let's not have that one then. Yep. By the way, Randy, you can get uh, Tyreek Hill minus one forty to score TD at any time in the game. Let's go. Uh, I like that. All let's right, do we'll it. take that one then. And then well then I am gonna look at the other big SEC SEC game. LSU at Bama. Bama giving up the three points. It's an over under of sixty one and a half. Oh, I kinda like that. I, I like that what going over. Sixty one and a half. Bama and LSU? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. Bama is not uh, offensively. LSU has no defense. Bama has no real offense. They aren't the Bama. They aren't. Sco- I would say under. I think it's going to be. I think. Hmm. I, I don't think. I don't know who wins that game either. I want. Part of me wants to say LSU because of, but Bama's defense. They're going to play. They're going to play defense. I can see 35-31. They really haven't this year. I don't think. You think Bama scores thirty-five? I think they could. I mean, look what Mizzou did with LSU. I, I I wouldn't trust it. Thirty-five twenty-eight gets me there, and that's 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 what I'm that's what I'm thinking. And the, Alabama's not I'm stopping going, Daniels. I'm yeah. going under. Sorry, Kerry, I think we're gonna have to go against All you. Right. On this one, my bad, my bad, buddy. Mark uh, that down that I wanted under, so we we come back next Kerry, Friday. Kerry, I'll go 100 on this bet for you. You're watching Wemby. You can get the Spurs right now plus 3600 to win their division. The best team in that division is the Mavericks. The Pelicans are also in there, and the Grizzlies, who are without Jaw for 25 games, are also in there. Are you feeling something for 100 on 3600 for the Spurs to win I mean, a bad 100, division? 100, yeah, I'll, I'll take 100. Who's their second best player? Uh, Devin Devin Vassell. Okay. Uh, Kelvin Johnson. Who is that? (laughs) 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 You got to go Dallas. You would assume that Dallas is going to win the division. But for $100. You see what I did there? By the back door, I got Kerry to say something nice about Luka Doncic. Well, I I said they're (laughs) Dallas. I mean, yeah. Dallas, Kyrie as well. well. I wasn't trying to get you to say anything nice about him. Clearly. (laughs) That's what we got, Randy. (laughs) All right. Thank you, sir. And if you missed any of our interviews today, Bradley Carnell, Joe Vitale, Robert Thomas, you can hear them either on our website, 101ESPN.com, or on the 101 ESPN app, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Should be a fun day of sports programming and a fun weekend of sports programming here on 101 ESPN. Thanks to our producer, audio engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. I don't know why I'm rushing us out of here. It's, it's, it's balloon party after this. It is a balloon party. Pleasure. Uh, let's hope they show up. Uh, we, we know Brooke would have had fun today. CD? Show us your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Uh, good luck to the uh, Hazelwood Central Hawks tonight against the Met. Thank you, sir. Go get them. Come away with a victory. Did anybody complain about your guys' cameras today? No, they don't care about our they, camera. No, no. It, it's it's amazing. We can have our hair look great. We interesting. No one cares about what we they look like. Right now. We can turn our cameras off, yeah. and I don't think they would yeah. even notice. I was talking to somebody yesterday. <laughs> so somebody who said I watch every day, and I said, "Oh, cool." And then we later in the conversation, I was talking about your beard, and they said, "Oh, Carrie has a beard." There you go. See, <laughs> we're not even here. We're just we're here, but not here. Here, but not here. <laughs> hey, uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at seven. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. And now for something completely different. You've been listening to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.